Our NHL news and notes segment is brought to you by Sheena Boychuk. Yes, you heard that last name right. That's Sheena Boychuk. As a licensed realtor, Sheena has you covered to buy and sell your home in this hot market. She also offers home consulting services to help you upgrade your living space. Check her website out at SheenaBoychuk.com and tell her the Two Mods podcast sent you. Realty by Design, your design approach to real estate. Welcome back to episode 200 of the Two Months Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Marshall. Tonight, I got my co-host, Clay Vanderham, with me. Bandy, how's it going? Bandy is Daddy. We are at two bills, eh? Wow. I think, uh, I don't know how many I've done. With your congratulations to you, us, the Mutz fans, uh, and whatnot. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm great. I was I spent last week in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Yes. And my, we, kid, uh, <laughs> my kid was, well, you guys will hear later on. In, in the podcast, uh, how good of a time I was having. Um, but I know my kid was fortunate enough to make Team Alberta for his age group um, and and for inline roller hockey. And we went down to Fort Wayne and participated in State Wars, is what they call it. It's their big national championship. And teams from Virginia, Tennessee, Florida, you know, all the non-hockey hotbeds. And our boys got a little lesson in uh, in year-round inline and how these kids can play. In, in north, south, southwest, southeast, hey? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean... You'll to, get to, there. <laughs> yeah, to, to, to counter that point or to, to talk on that point sober is, is the game is different. Our boys, our ice hockey players, they go, you know, come back for a breakout, try to... You know, there's no red line, there's no icing, so most of these teams are just all they do is swing through the middle. And our boys were a little, little, I think, overwhelmed. We had four, five, probably six of our nine kids on the team first year in line, so it, it was definitely an eye opener, but a great time. Met, we had great parents, um, met some great people, talking to different um, um, state teams, and and the one thing I uh, I was very it was kind of a proud dad moment was Jace was standing there and they, so you get a pin, you get, you can buy uh, Alberta team, Alberta pins and you trade them with other teams. Um, so anyway, Jace was standing there and he was trading pins with the kid, like the best youth. This kid was on three different Florida teams. Uh, Corbin, I think was his last name. This kid was incredible an incredible inline player, but he was fascinated. Um, uh, by by the fact that Jace could play was playing ice hockey, so he play ice hockey, and then I don't know if he did or not, or or what, or what's you kept asking what it's like up in Canada. So, and and then you know kids from Tennessee, Virginia, um, uh, you know Illinois, they were talking, and it was cool to, that my kid was there and and got to got to represent it, and then we. So the way we traveled there is we flew into Chicago, drove to Fort Wayne, and then coming home, we drove to Chicago, flew out of Chicago, and we got to catch a, a Cubs game. Yeah. And at Wrigley, at Wrigley Field, that was incredible. It was yeah. For me, it was a 
bucket list. Jace was, you know, he's 14 years old, subdued. He was like, yeah, whatever. It's it's great. But no, it was a good time. Good time had by all. Perfect. Awesome. And uh, the other voice you heard is uh, Phil Stockley. Uh, Phil, how's it going? Going pretty good. Uh, you know, just can't believe it's episode 200. I know I kind of jumped in here on the tail end after you guys got the ball rolling. So, you know, um, congratulations to you, Bosco, on 200 episodes, buddy. And I'm glad to be a part of this. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty uh, pretty special accomplishment. And uh, I'd like to thank uh, our presented uh, uh, sponsor, BioStill. Um, for uh, being with us for for this whole season and uh, continue to uh, keep us on for the following season and uh, our uh, amazing family at uh, Go Go Sports, uh, the great uh, the great team there, uh, Robert and Trevor and and Robert and you know just the amazing group over there and uh, you know nice uh, nice beautiful city they're in in Vancouver and they're kind of the Vancouver branch and they do they reach every platform in every area and. We're happy to be a part of that family too, and to, to do this on a special podcast, it's uh, means a lot. I don't think I ever thought at any point we were gonna get picked up by anyone, and we did. And you know, we're sitting here now at episode 200, and um, you guys are gonna hear an amazing interview from a lot of people that have helped us along the way, and then uh, just a, a capped off uh, amazing interview to the end. Uh, and our, obviously our first guest is going to be Matt Benning, um, what he's done with us. And this is the fourth time he's joined us and, you know, continue to uh, to help us out and be there for us. And then uh, Jason Chimera, Vernon Fiddler, two great guys, uh, longtime NHL players. Um, you know, the fact that these guys have done so much for us and Melwood's guys. And, you know, I was a Melwood's guy until my uh, dad passed away. And then uh, Vandy's been a Melwood's guy his whole entire life. And, you know, like even you know, having Rupper and Brody um, kind of join us too along the way and, you know, Ryan Petrovich and, uh, you know, and, and, and many others, Jake Baker. Uh, we've had a lot of great people kind of chime in, help out, steer the ship and, and, you know, and, you know, that's, that's pretty sweet. So yeah, we'll have, you know, Matt Benning and then Jason Chimera, Vernon Fiddler and Milan Lucic, who's also another guy who's helped us out big time. Um, another amazing interview with him and then capping it off with, the headliner interview, the one that everyone's a legend and the chairman of the hockey hall of fame, the hockey hall of famer himself. Um, you know, just a, just a, a great way to cap things off with Lenny McDonald. So, uh, you know, so great, uh, great success there. And, uh, without further ado, we, uh, we have Matt Benning standing by. So let's get to our interview with Matt Benning for the San Jose Sharks. Mutz fans. So much going on right now in the live sporting events, concerts, everything going on. You know, you got wrestling events, you got the NBA, you got the NFL, you got hockey coming back, like so much going on. So use the promo code two months pod. When you guys go to SeatGeek, download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com and get $20 off your purchase for these live events. You guys won't be disappointed. They'll help you on the bucks. You know, save that $20, get you a couple beers, maybe have some popcorn, whatever you want for that, saving that $20 going in. And, you know, use these live events, man. There's so much going on right now. Uh, this is the greatest time. Um, all these sports are firing back up. So all four major sports will be ready to go. Then you guys got the Drake concerts, the T-Swift concerts. There, there's so much happening right now. So, so many great events to be a part of. So don't be disappointed when you guys go to SeatGeek.com 
and use the promo code Two Months Pod, all capitals. That's the promo code Two Months Pod, all capitals, to get twenty dollars off your purchase. This public service announcement is brought to you by our friends at CDN. Here's a crazy thought: Not all teamwear needs a team logo. Stand out in the crowd and rep your team colors with one of CDN's hockey hats. Listen, these hats are phenomenal. We just got ours a little while ago, and we've been wearing them nonstop. You know when you find a hat you love and you just can't take it off? Yep, that's how we feel with our CDN hat. Every time we wear it out, we get asked, "Where did you get that hat?" I know what you're thinking. How can I get one? Cue the details. Shop online 24/7 at www.wearecdn.ca and use the promo code Two Muts for 15% off your order. Again, that's www.wearecdn.ca to get your new favorite hat and use the discount code Two Muts at checkout for 15% off your order. Now back to the show. Bunch fans, our next guest has played 443 uh, NHL regular season games. Uh, he is a uh, good friend of ours. Uh, it's the fourth time he's been on our podcast. He just had an amazing year with the San Jose Sharks, his career in assists and points. And uh, we kind of called uh, the 100 points, the career point would be in Edmonton. And he sure got that. Uh, as we saw him at a morning skate, we like to welcome Matt Benning from the San Jose Sharks to the Two Months Podcast on episode. 200 Benz, how's it going? Good, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you on. So, uh, I know just chat with you here, life's been pretty crazy, but um, you know, how 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 are things? Are you able to kind of a little bit settle, or what's going on in your world that uh, you know, getting uh, maybe some relaxation time as you possibly can, but also staying uh, busy and, and fit as uh, as another great season is upon you. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely a fine, you know, fine balance of, of, you know, seeing your friends, having fun, as well as, you know, staying focused and motivated for the next season. So, um, you know, this summer, my sister got married, my brother-in-law got married. Um, so, you know, there's a couple weddings out there, um, you know, really close family, family weddings. And uh, we're moving into a new house with two kids. It's never easy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's been busy, but, you know, we got a month and a bit here left of, uh, you know, summer and before we, you know, get back in, into the swing of things in, in San Jose. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to hopefully, you know, enjoying some time off, but, but equally working as hard as well. Nice, nice. That's, uh, that's good. Um, so obviously the four-year deal you signed in San Jose in your first year, it's uh, it's in the books. Um, you obviously got to play with the, the Norris Trophy uh, defenseman and, uh, and Eric Carlson, and you've had the, the chance to play with Roman Yossi and some other great players. But but uh, more or less important, just talk about the the season you had, um, obviously career and assists and points, and uh, what kind of you think attributed to, to that. And, you know, obviously signing there gave you an opportunity to, to play a big role and with a, with a great team and great coaching staff. And, you know, Mike Greer is your general manager and Coach Quinn is your head coach. But uh, talk about the, the season you had in San Jose and, how excited are you to get back there and get going again too? Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, this season was kind of my first season where, um, you know, I got, I got a glimpse of second pair, you know, three, four minutes, 
um, which was exciting. And, you know, in the past I've, I've, I've had that opportunity, um, but it was just a, you know, a short term, um, you know, sort of thing. So, you know, there was definitely more opportunity for me to grab out there. I, you know, I saw some time on the power play a little bit, you know, I was, uh, out there in the penalty kill. Um, you know, I, I really felt like, you know, my role was appreciated and, and wanted on the team. So I think kind of that helped, you know, gain momentum, um, for me kind of going throughout the season. And, um, you know, it was, you know, like, you, like you said, playing with the OC and, and Carlson, you get to, you know, really learn off those guys. And, you know, when I was in Edmonton with Connor and, and Leon and Nuge, you know, those, those top end players, I always try to, you know, pick their brain and, um, you know, kind of see what they're seeing. And, you know, I think for a lot of the, you know, pro NHL guys, it's, it's more of a mindset. You can, you know, for the most part, do what most guys can do. Um, but, you know, it's more of a mindset of, you know, for me shooting for, for, for sticks at the point rather than shooting it just to not get blocked. Um, you know, just little confidence mindset, things like that, that really helped me. And, you know, having a front front row seat to watch Eric do his thing this year was pretty special too. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's also, you know, seventh year, seventh year. So, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable out there. I, I, you know, I know the type of players that are out there. It was, um, you know, a little bit of that. I would also say it's probably, you know, the coaching staff played a system that I really liked and, and allowed me to, you know, get out there for offensive zone touches, which, you know, led to the, the assists and the points thing. So, you know, for me, I'm not a points, a points guy, but it's, it's nice when you can contribute that way. Yeah, no, I, I think you're a good hell, hell of a two-way player. Obviously I'm going to be super biased on what you can do and, and everything like that. But uh, one of the cool things I like when I go around the ranks or people ask like, or ask other people, you know, scouts or managers, and I bring up your name and stuff like that. Um, there's a lot of great compliments, but one of obviously the great thing is you're from a great history of uh, hockey and your family, but um, you know, just the hockey sense and kind of the knowledge and know where to be and know how to that stick position. Um, you know, obviously there's probably a lot of that comes from your father and, you know, just in the other, your other, your uncles and whatnot. And, um, and obviously your little brother's going to, he's making the path to the pro career here, just signing a, a contract with the uh, Florida Panthers. But can you kind of talk about that, that hockey sense and like where that kind of maybe comes from or how that kind of, you know, comes to you um, for fans that maybe want to know a little bit more about that. I don't know if that's a great question, but it's, you know, it's obviously you hear that a lot. It's like that hockey sense. Like, can you kind of elaborate a little bit more? Yeah, for sure. I think at, you know, at a young age, you know, it was, it was mainly my dad. He was, you know, my coach um, for a lot of years, kind of growing up until probably Bantam. And at the time, you know, I was like, he's so hard on me. You know, he's the hardest on me. He's, you know, no one else gets benched except for me and, and, and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I think he did a really good job in encouraging me to make plays, you know, even if I didn't make those plays or, um, if, you know, I wouldn't, um, connect on the pass or, or that sort of thing, he was always encouraging me to make plays. And, you know, for me being a right-handed defenseman, most centers, uh, growing up and even I would say nowadays in the NHL are left-handed so that passing lane to find you know a centerman in the middle on their forehand was something that you know my dad and my grandpa kind of stapled in 
um, and, you know, in for me for, for, you know, many years. And, um, you know, at the time it was, I didn't really think of it, but, um, you know, as I was kind of climbing the ranks, it's like, you know, not everybody can, you know, have the confidence and, and ability to make that middle pass. And, you know, for the most part, you look at the, the players in the league, you know, your top players are, are mainly playing center too. So, you know, that was just an opportunity for me to, you know, showcase, you know, breaking the puck out of the zone or, or, you know, making a nice middle play through the neutral zone um, where, you know, I think that kind of hockey IQ that you're talking about is getting wrapped around that. So, um, you know, it was, it was, you know, encouraging me to, to make those plays. It was, you know, if there's not a passing lane, you got to move your feet to make a passing lane. Um, geez, what else? Um, you know, I was always a guy that, you know, would try to, try to, you know, I was a pass first mentality guy in the offensive zone. And, um, you know, my dad was always, you know, look for the shot first and, and, you know, kind of get selfish that way. And it's, I think it's kind of the, the way I am. I, you know, I like to, you know, pass, but, um, you know, there was a lot of family dinners and, and my, my grandpa, he's passed now, but, you know, he'd wait after every one of my games and, and, you know, kind of break down the game with me and, and that sort of thing. And I, I took, I took it, um, you know, I took it very seriously with him knowing he's, you know, been, he was a scout for a long, long time and he saw some good talent coming up through the Western league. So, um, you know, there's a lot of good hockey minds that kind of helped shape me. But, uh, before I toss it over to Clay to kind of follow up with that, like how much of it when you're a kid, you know, just going to the rink or would you watch a lot of games like hockey night Canada? Like, you know, cause one of the kind of the cool things that you always kind of hear with some players is, you know, even later in this pod, we'll hear what Luch has to say too, about, you know, just being a guy that, you know, there's that game that if he's on an off night, he's kind of watching him, watching the teams play the, like that night when he's at home resting. I don't know how much like you get a chance there with the young kids, but was a lot of that there as a kid before you had, you know, a family of your own. Cause I know at times it's hard to get all that, you know, the family times important, especially when you come back on the road and whatnot too. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, for sure. I think, you know, I, I think mainly it was, you know, my first couple of years I was scratched a good amount. Um, and, you know, rather than watching a game on TV on my off days, it was more of, you know, if we were playing, if Edmonton was playing LA, for example, you know, I wasn't, and this may sound bad. I wasn't necessarily watching, you know, guys on Edmonton. I was watching like, you know, Drew Doughty or, you know, Martinez or, you know, guys like that, yeah. that, you know, I'm like, Hey, I, I can, you know, I can definitely learn a lot of things off these guys. Um, you know, I'm not much of a TV person. I think my attention spans way too short, but, yeah. um, you know, there's definitely ways, other ways to learn, learn around the game. And, you know, that's what I tell a lot of young kids too, is, you know, just be a student of the game. You don't need to, you know, go too crazy into it, but, you know, ask, ask questions, you know, learn, learn from other players that, you know, maybe do some things a little bit better than you, um, you know, pick three, four guys in the NHL that, you know, you want to be like, or, you know, pick parts of the game, you know, that you can get better at and, and watch them and just learn. So, you know, for me, it was a lot of that. Nice. Uh, Phil, uh, that's, that's funny you say that, Matt, because, uh, kids nowadays, I don't think they watch hockey at all. 
if you know they there are still the few kids that do but i think mostly they watch highlights and youtube and and this that the other thing and i've kind of i i every year i coach minor hockey and every year i try to think of something different and this year last year i, I tried it where where i got the kids just watch a game guys watch the Oilers in the playoffs just watch a game and 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 then you know pinpoint Obviously, they're all going to watch Connor. They're going to watch, you know, the the stars. But but, and then come back and a- ask questions. Yeah. If, if you know, and and that's one thing that I I was going to bring in this year. I said just watch one game. I don't care, one game all season, and then come back to me as a coach or our coaching staff and and ask questions. I think it's that's where I think. Uh, the game is is awesome. It's fun to watch, but kids nowadays they just they want to do they want to do everything now. <laughs> they want to learn it now, and they want to take the time. And and yeah, that that's interesting. You say that that there's and there's nothing wrong with watching the opposition. Dude. Yeah, like, and I think you know just piggybacking off YouTube. It's it's a lot of those kids are watching YouTube or Instagram videos or whatever. And like you know, I think maybe a little bit. You know, especially growing up now, just, you know, I'm just working out and seeing all these young kids playing skate. You know, it seems like everyone wants to be the stick handler, dangler, goal scorer, where there's actually, you know, you know, you can make a great career out of yourself, you know, just being, and, you know, we we talked about this, you know, before as yeah. Rob Scuderi came up to me, he's like, Benny, he's like, you know, if you could really hone in on, you know, being a five, six, seven defenseman, he's like, that's what I did. And I played a long time and made a great career out of myself. So. You know, I think sometimes, you know, on those platforms, you get lost in, you know, guy, you know, doing the Michigan or, you know, guy, you know, doing that where, you know, and I don't know how, how this could come about, but it's almost like, you know, I, I tell, I told our coaches, we had a great coach in, um, in Nashville. Um, oh my God, he's going to kill me for not knowing, but he used to be a player and, you know, he was very good at, was it Dan Hyde? Danny Hino, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Danny. Second, second Danny. And uh, you know, he was so good at getting the role players to feel good about their role, which I think sometimes gets lost in teams. So, you know, if you know, young coaches or even coaches come up the ranks, it's it's easy just to, you know, you know, be hot and heavy about, you know, your top players. But, you know, you get a really good team when you you know, you're encouraging everybody and everybody has their role. And, you know, that's when you get guys to go through the wall for you. But, um, yeah, you know, I totally agree. Bandy, you're a Go ahead. You mentioned, you know, how playing with Carlson, the OC, obviously they're, they're big names in the NHL. Has the game, you've been involved now in the NHL for, you know, seven to, to 10 years, whatever it is, professionally. Has the game slowed down for you? Is that, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, no, I I definitely know what you're saying. Um, I would say yes, but I think, I think in my head, the game has slowed down, but in reality, it was just more of, you know, my first two, three years, it was just the role that was in, you know, I was a sixth defenseman and, if I made a mistake, I would be pulled out of the lineup. It was more yeah. of like that process. So I didn't feel like I could have 
you know, as much poise with the puck as I do now. And, you know, maybe my leash now is a little bit longer, but, um, you know, it, it and took it's a situation a, too, right? Yeah. I mean, it took me a little, it took me, it took me, yeah, Sorry, for sure. Like it took me, no, no, it took me just like a little bit to, you know, figure that side of it out. And, you know, I think every kind of NHL player goes through it, you know, in, in a different way of, but for me, it was just, you know, how long can I hold on the puck for before I get in trouble? You know, I've never been the best skater, you know, I'm probably in the, you know, bottom third, you know, for skating, but, you know, once I learned, you know, okay, I feel like I'm a left shoulder, I can turn to my backhand or, you know, just like little things like that. And I think a lot of that was just practicing and, and getting used to it and just getting more confidence. But, you know, I think maybe if, you know, if anything, the game got faster, technically, you know, when I, when I first came in the fourth lines were the guys that I was playing against and those guys were heavy guys, um, you know, who maybe didn't move as well where now it's, you know, you're getting a lot of younger guys who definitely have speed and they mean they, you know, they're not as heavy. So, you know, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, the game, yeah, it obviously has, it is gotten, it has gotten faster, but I mean, mentally it's slowed down for you. I think is, is what you were saying is, you you know, you're, you're reading those plays. You're, you're not, I won't say panicking because guys at your level, I don't know if they panic, but, but you're, you're mentally, you're visualizing the game is a lot slower. You're, you're seeing more options out there, I guess, yeah. if you will. And you're in it, you know, you're, you're, you're in a situation for success where you, you're not uh, worried about, you know, getting pulled and, and cause that plays a factor too. 100% it does. And yeah, no, I think, I think you're right. Cause you know, my analogy would be, you know, if I felt a guy was on me my first couple of years, I was trying to get rid of the puck so it wouldn't be a turnover in our own zone to come back. Where now I feel, you know, I have the confidence where if a guy's on me, I'm figuring out how how can I escape him and find one of my teammates. So it's just, you know, you can make you know a lot better plays that way. It's just, yes. you know, I wanted to stay in the NHL. I didn't want to go to the minors. I didn't want to be, you know, sitting in the stands watching you know, my coach telling me to watch Drew Doughty and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things. And, you know, I think every, every player wants to, you know, stick and not, you know, go down obviously. So that's kind of my fight or flight of, you know, sticking around. Good for you. You had a chance. He's now with the Oilers to play with Matias at home. Uh, Talk about the, I mean, we know what kind of player he is. We, we'll talk about that, but talk about the person he is. I think we've seen it. You know, he's been here most of the summer, and and just talk about the kind of person he is and what what you know what Edmonton can expect a full season of Matias next year. I mean, yeah, for sure. You know, that as you know, most of my buddies are always friends, so they. You know, they would text me all the time. Hey, we're so glad we got at home and that sort of thing. <laughs> and, you know, I think a lot of fans can see what he can do on the ice. But, you know, as, as a guy, he's he's very caring. Um, he's, um, you know, a natural leader. He just has that presence, whether it's him being tall or him having this, you know, crazy big beard. Um, big you know, just, personality, right? <laughs> yeah. 
um, you know, he's definitely a guy you want to have. And he's, you know, I think for a lot of Oilers fans, it's exciting because, you know, he's he's had a lot of playoff playoff experience in Nashville. You know, they didn't get the job done, but he went to the finals, you know, big part. And he's he's a guy, I think, you know, on that team that, you know, will surprise a lot of a lot of players in terms of, you know, getting up in the rush and, you know, he scored against us. You know, that classic slap shot, you know, glove side um, from the dot. And, you know, he, he has a lot, you know, off, more offensive than, than I think people give him credit for. And, you know, I think Oilers fans will definitely see that that next year. He's, uh, he's, he's, you know, he's, you know, one of the best two-way players in the league. He's, he can shut guys down. He can be mean if he wants to be mean. Um, you know, he can still skate. He's, you know, he's the whole package for sure. So I'm going to, I'm going to actually go back for a second to your time with the Oilers. And uh, everybody knows that I'm the flames guy on the podcast. I'm a, I'm a flames fan. And uh, one of the highlights I remember is uh, you absolutely walking Noah Hannafin and uh, ripping one home. Um, take us through that goal. And, and would you say that's your, your career highlight goal? You think? Uh, yeah. You know, I think it'd definitely be close. I think, you know, just growing up. It was nice. That was like super nice goal. I'm like, who, who was like, that, that was betting. Like, come yeah. on. Like yeah, no, as a Flames so fan, I was pretty from, upset. So you just came back from injury too, I think. Right. In that one. Yeah. I was out for like, I was out for like a month and a half, maybe with like a whiplash, weird, uh, weird injury. Um, so yeah, I definitely, you know, the guys in the team were happy for me to get back. And then, you know, just, just to kind of touch on it, just being an Oilers fan growing up and being season ticket holders, like I knew what the battle of Alberta meant. So, you yeah. know, that, that part of it was huge, you know, getting back and scoring a goal early. Um, you know, I still remember, um, you know, thinking, you know, thinking back on that goal, I was going to go in and shoot it. I think we were, we were it was a, it was a tying goal, right? It was three, two and I scored a three, three or something. And, um, yeah, yeah. You, you know, tied the game at three. Yeah. And Connor was right beside me and he's like, go Benny, go Benny, go. And, you know, I think I kind of surprised Hannafin cause it looked like I was just going to shoot it and rim it. And then, um, you know, just playing with David Rich, my, my last year in, in, uh, Nashville, I always, you know, me and him are pretty close. So I always made fun of him and, uh, for scoring on him, he's like, Benny, you're such a liar. You are not trying to shoot five. Well, you definitely fanned on that one. And I said, Oh yeah, I was going shelf all day and I fanned on it five hole, but Hey, it still counts. So I was happy to, you know, so, you know, to get that, it was, it was a, it was a big goal for the team and, and to tie things up. And, um, you know, that, that celebration in the corner with me and Connor was pretty cool. There was a pretty, pretty neat picture. And, uh, you know, I got it printed and, uh, got him to sign it for me. So that'll be, you know, a cool keepsake when I'm, old and washed up and can show my show my kids that hey i you know scored a goal he told me what to do and i did it and i scored yeah <laughs> yeah you just tell him i looked off connor and just ripped one home eh <laughs> told him to beat it yeah <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um so uh we were all we were all fortunate uh just this last season you came and uh we we were able to bring a group to the morning skate for the san jose sharks and uh, I had my two little guys there and I was just, I just wanted to say thank you to you. And, uh, you know, I was so impressed with you, how you took time for every single kid at that event. And, uh, 
I thought that was just like super cool. And I was telling, I was talking to Bosco that night and my kids, like they have their whole like little setup in the basement. And my older boy, he was, he was pretending to be Matt Benning after that. So, <laughs> and uh, I, I just thought that was like super cool. Cause like they always like announce their get like what they're doing. And, and my older boy, Theo, he's like, he, he kept saying Benning passes <laughs> to whoever my other boy was. And I was just, I, I texted Bosco right away. I'm like, yeah, my son's pretending to be Benning now. So, <laughs> That's so awesome. just, I just wanted to say thank you for that, man. And, uh, and it was really cool. Like I said, how you took all the time for those kids. And, uh, I was going to ask you, did, did that ever happen to you as a kid? Like, I know, I know you had hockey in your, in your life as a kid, like with your dad and stuff. So is there a yeah. moment that maybe sticks out to you like that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think one of the biggest, you know, influences of, of me being hockey, was obviously my dad and just the whole family, but you know, my dad retired at 29 and, um, you know, I was not even a year old yet. So I don't really remember him actually playing in the NHL. But what I do remember is, you know, he do the uh, alumni skates quite often with a lot of the, you know, the, a lot of the old uh, alumni players, you know, there was a good amount of them. And just, you know, the memory with, you know, sitting in, in the dressing room with my dad, you know, getting, getting ready, getting, un, you know, undressed and that sort of thing. Um, getting to, you know, go around this, uh, you know, the dressing room and, and getting autographs from all these old Oilers was such a, you know, key memory for me. Um, you know, just how, how much that meant to me. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I, I try to tell, you know, the younger guys that, you know, the status that we have, especially in Canada is, is, is so, you know, so much and so powerful that, um, you know, if you can use it to, you know, affect kids to, to play hockey. I think hockey is such a great thing, not only, you know, just to play hockey, but, you know, to have, to be a part of a team and, and feel that dynamic and, and get friends that way. And, you know, you, you, you learn, you know, how to talk to people. You learn, there's just so much of the game outside of the game that, you know, I think is important. So, you know, whatever we can do as, as, you know, professionals to encourage, you know, kids to play hockey or sports is, is, you know, super important. Yeah, no, it definitely is. It's uh, yeah. Cause like my love for the game kind of started when I think I was maybe 11 years old and I got to meet Doug Gilmore and Matthew Schneider. And I, was, like, I was at the YMCA downtown and I was playing floor hockey with my uh, big brother from big brother's big sister program that my, my mom rolled us in and he was from Toronto and, I was like, I met these guys I, at the time. I really didn't know who they were. And then I just, you know, became, you know, a pretty, a big fan of the game after that. And it just spearheaded, you know, the love for playing the game. And, and, you know, the fact that, you know, we sit here today, like episode 200 and, you know, the relationships that we created with all the people that are a part of it, and, you know, like this episode is going to have like Luch, Luch part of it. And, you know, Luch very well. Oh, yeah. I the our episode, which I love the 200. We put a lot of thought into this, and it's going to have all the guys that supported us. And Matt, you, you're you've been a big part of it. You know, Luch, Chimmer, Fids, and you know, lucky enough to have Lanny. But but Matt, I sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, boss. Oh, no, no, Matt, no. what you've done for our podcast and speaking, it just tells what kind of person you are, and and you know. I hope people realize that, you know, the hockey players are the greatest people in the world. Uh, I don't care what, there are negative people, but there are negative people <laughs> everywhere. 
Yeah. Uh, you're, you're, you're the epitome of what I want my kids, you know, should they grow up and, and make it in whatever they, they remember where they came from. And that's, right. yeah, no, I appreciate that. That's, you know, very kind words, but you know, it's, it's a lot of, you know, how, how you're raised and, you know, going back to just that hockey dynamic, I think, you know, getting really good friends, you know, that you can be close with and, and make memories with this is, you know, so important just to, you know, becoming a good person. So, you know, you guys, you guys are very, you know, you're straight up, you're straight up guys. You, you know, you, you shed the light in a positive way on the players, which, you know, I think it's such a battle sometimes with, with media. It's more of, you know, it's players versus media where, you know, we, you know, we, I, I saw instantly what you guys do and, and how it's so positive and, you know, it's, it's easy to listen to and it's, you know, it still is really interesting. And, um, you know, you guys are definitely taking that approach, which, which I love. And, you know, I can probably speak for Luch too. You know, he's been through a lot on, you know, a lot of different teams and, you know, he appreciates that too. So, you know, it's easy to support guys like you who do that. Yeah, no, it's very well said. And just, you know, I appreciate it, man. It's, you know, and it's just, even when we have our text chain going on with you and just kind of just, you know, shooting the breeze and just having a conversation like that, it's, it's always, uh, it's always nice. And, you know, regardless of what's going on in the world, you always have that uh, time to take that conversation. And, uh, you know, it's a busy schedule you guys have, but, uh, is there uh to kind of close out um and thanks to that for sure but uh one of the things uh you know we like to kind of talk about too is you know and, and other things is hobbies and charitable stuff like that is there is there any kind of you know charity events that you're a part of this year i know there's stuff that you do with your own charity but are you guys kind of doing anything this year or how's that going with you i know it's a very very busy summer but uh what's how's that looking for you on the charitable side yeah, so um you know, definitely get asked by, you know, a good amount throughout the throughout the summer. So, you know, like we we talked about to start the podcast, you know, it's a good it has to be a good mix of, you know, working hard and, and doing that versus, you know, doing more fun things and, you know, golf tournaments are are an easy way for me to um, you know, help raise money and and, you know, and donate that way. Um I did a St. Albert Catholic High School um foundation fund tournament earlier this in the, in the summer which was which was good um you know raised some money for for the bo- school board that uh um you know that i i grew up a part of so uh you know a lot of the same principals and, and teachers that i was you know that were my teachers growing up were are still there so that was pretty special to do yeah um when i was in edmonton i was fortunate enough to um become an ambassador with the rainbow society of Edmonton. They have re- recently rebranded their name into Alberta dreams. Um, so you know, I, I unfortunately, because of the rain, uh, we were, we were, we planned on doing the golf tournament this year. Um, they rescheduled it to my son's birthday. So obviously oh I couldn't, couldn't make the golf tournament. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, one that I always support and, and I'm a part of too. And I, I think it went really well. So, you know, yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot out there, but, um, you know, I try to do as much as I can. It's good to, I don't know, giving back is a, such a rewarding thing in a way. Um, you know, just the, in listening to you, watching you talk about it, you just had a smile on your face and Luch was the same and Liney was the same and, you know, Fizz and Chimmer, kind of just the same thing too. So it's, uh, it's great, uh, 
Uh, Phil, you have any final comments you want to say to Matt before we sign out here? Yeah, just, you know, uh, I'm kind of similar in the way that the way I play ball, I play ball hockey with Bosco. I'm kind of similar, you know, I, the right shot I'm going to take that advice. Yeah. Right shot defenseman. And uh, I'm going to take your advice. You know, I, sometimes I gotta, I gotta stop thinking that ball's a grenade and it's going to blow up on my <laughs> stick and, you know, just, so, try to, so try I'm gonna, to find gonna, the middle and don't let, and don't let Bosco yell at you. If you uh, throw pizza up the middle. <laughs> I'm just gonna get boss give Bosco a couple suicide passes there. Eh? Just, <laughs> I gotta bail this guy out so many times. It's crazy, man. <laughs> give the ball to guys like me. Yeah, that are you're cherry easy, picking you're up easy the ball. To play, you're easier to play with, man. You know, so <laughs> I would never come back. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Matt, do you want to have any final comments to sign out here? No. Again, thank you, Matt, and all the best. And yeah. You know, Unless you're playing the Oilers, good luck. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Matt. Really appreciate yeah. it. Have a good Matt. season, Congrats. buddy. Hey. Thank you. Yeah, congratulations on 200. I know that's that's a uh, a big accomplishment. That's that's a lot of uh, podcasts, you guys. Yeah, a lot of work on editing and all that, but uh, it's all worth it. It's all fun, and uh, all the best to you and the fam. And uh, really, really appreciate it. And like the guy said, I say good luck all 82 games of the year. So. <laughs> So, Thank you. I appreciate it. Especially, especially, especially against the Oilers. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. Have a good one, Matt. All right. See you guys. Welcome back to the Two Months Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Marshall. Uh, I got my co-host Phil Stockley with us tonight. Uh, Clay Vanderham is in uh, the U.S., so he's uh, busy tonight. But we have two great guests. Um, so I don't know who to go first. Do I go with the most games played first, or do I leave the <laughs> most games played after? But uh, uh, we got two. Oh, go, go with the go with the most successful realtor. That's exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. So we'll uh, we'll leave with uh, we'll leave with. Uh, a great guest. He's been on with us several times. Uh, he's a beauty and everyone knows good Melwood's boy. Um, we have Vernon Fiddler. Fids, how's it going? Good, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. And the other voice you heard was uh, another good Melwood's boy and uh, Jason Chimera. Uh, Chimera, how's it going? Good, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having us. This is awesome. No worries. No worries. So episode 200, before we kind of get into everything, guys, uh, it was pretty crazy. You guys have been a huge part of this and we've got to kind of this this point with this podcast and everything you guys done to help us out but uh you know there's a lot of great podcasts out there too but um uh, obviously uh missing curfew they're actually at the same episode as us 199 and their next episode is going to be 202 so it's uh kind of cool that around around the same time but uh i guess we'll kind of just maybe jump into a little bit of a podcasting fits to you obviously you're good friends with up and and olbs and those guys there but uh how how do you view this podcast situation going on in the game today and you know getting you know the knowledge out there obviously with spitting chicklets too and then you know our little fun little podcast here is it pretty cool did you get a chance to listen to some of them when you get uh, the opportunity to from travel and places? yeah it is it, it you know uh the, the podcast uh theme of things you know when i retired you know you 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 thrive on listening to stories and dressing rooms and, you know, you, you new guy would come in and you're like, all right, I hope this guy's got some new stories. Cause I've heard the same ones for the last five years. And, <laughs> um, you know, the same, the same theme with these podcasts is, you know, you can, 
be sitting in your car driving and going in traffic and listening to stories. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that hit, hits home because a lot of the stories are the same, but it's always cool to hear different stories from different guys. And, you know, you get a good chuckle out of it, you know, makes a car ride go a little bit quicker. And, yeah. Or even some of the guys, you, you know, you hear these stories that you, you're part of and you, you know, you, 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 for, I forget about some of this stuff and <laughs> I hear it on a podcast and it's like, Oh, I forgot that even happened, but yeah. You know, it's uh, it's it's cool to to listen to the different guys, and you know, as the game changes a little bit with the youth, um, you know, you hear some of these young guys' stories, but it's it's fun to listen to the to the you know missing curfew, spitting chocolates, uh, your guys's podcast. It, I I enjoy them all, and yeah. um, I think it's great that the fans get to listen to some of the stuff that they shouldn't, you know, they never get a chance to listen to, or um, you know, we're in the dressing room, we get to hear all kinds of good stories and stuff like that, so. Uh, I get a kick out of it, and I think it's great for not only the game, but it's great for the guys to be able to tell some stories too. Yeah, no, for sure, it's uh, pretty sweet. So, Chimmer, your thoughts, kind of the same question to you. What do you what's your take on this, and what do you get a chance to listen to when you're traveling and uh, flying and driving? Well, I don't fly too much, but yeah, so driving, um, yeah. But I think it's it's cool that you like. Uh, there's so many stories out there that, like Pitt says, that people don't really hear of, and I think before you were told just to shut up and not tell anybody anything. So now everyone's hearing these stories for the first time. It's pretty cool. Like, uh, like Fitz says, there's probably a lot of uh, stuff that doesn't get mentioned on the uh, podcast for sure. But some of the stories out there, they're pretty funny. Like I, like I like Fitz. I don't remember half these things. And then they come up and like, oh, shit, that, that did happen. <laughs> that was, yeah. And then you remember the whole night, like, like it was yesterday. So I think it was, but some of the stuff um, um, is pretty crazy, but it's, uh, I it, think like it's, it's tamer now. I think that the league's a little tamer. Maybe a little now. Yeah. The stories maybe, maybe not so great anymore, but uh, the ones that are always uh, walking a line are probably the best stories you can hear. Cause <laughs> you, you don't really don't get, you don't really get to hear those ones. And I think uh, like back in the day, I, I remember I, I was uh, in Columbus. I said, I had a beer uh, with the boys and Doug McGlain gave me shit. And he's still, me, me and Doug laughing about that today, but he's just like, <laughs> he's like, you can't say that on the, like, why? You can't say like, I yeah. had a beer with the boys. And, but now it's like, they're telling all these stories about the parties and, and, uh, and up he getting knocked out of the, <laughs> out of the house by you, I think was fit. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> And probably, and then you could picture how that night went with, with that guy. So it was like, you could, just, you could just picture them. And I was like, that's the, that's the stuff that fans love to hear. And I think that's, uh, that's what makes a podcast great. Yeah. How do you, uh, do you want to kind of elaborate a little bit on that story? Fids? Like, well, the, the part that left out and I told Uppy that I, I'd come on there eventually and tell the real story, but all I heard was the vibrating phone. So like it was his alarm going off cause he was supposed to work out with me, but it, he didn't obviously make the the, the missing curfew. Missed curfew. Yeah. <laughs> I told him like, if you're not home by this time, like the door is locked. Like we got young kids. I can't, you know, like it, they can't have you coming in and out. You can stay with us. But the best part about that story was, I lived on a hill in in the mission in Kelowna, and it, it was probably like. I mean, this hill would like we used to run up it to train, but like for to ride a bike, you had to walk the bike. And the bike that he got home on had no no rubber on the on the rims. It was just like straight <laughs> metal. So how he how he accomplished that all and left that best part out of the story, I I to this day I'm like, well, I don't know why he wouldn't bring that up. But yeah, I mean he was a real treat. Like they called him Dupree. 
You remember that movie, you, me, and Capri? And when yeah. we went back to Nashville that year, Trotsky called him Capri because he, he'd moved himself in with us. But, you know, Uppy's the best. He's always full of uh, energy and great with great with the kids and wife. And, um, you know, there's there's plenty more stories I could tell, but oh, yeah. I mean, we'd probably need four or five hours. He was, he was, he was a gem to play with and still chat with him, you yeah. know, a couple times a month and catch up, so... We, I kind of want to get a little bit into that before we get into your kids, but like obviously you're good friends with PK and you saw what he was doing at the Stampede and stuff like that, but you're good friends with Biz, but also missing curfew and like Obes and Uppy and we'll get your thoughts on this too, Chimmer, but what they're doing with the NHL Network, NHL on TNT, um, how they're growing the game in that way. What's your thoughts? Because we just had Luch on and he talked about how brilliant that is to add those, you know, ingredients into uh, kind of the new age of hockey and watching the games. What's your thoughts on that, Fitz? Yeah, I think it's great. Like, you know, these guys that have been in the trenches and they know what what are all the ins and outs are. Like, the the, the people want the, the people don't want to talk about a system and you know what what is going on in the game. Like, people watch for you know a good hockey game, but they watch for info that they they never know of and you know the, the 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 you know info like even i was watching the playoffs and they were going to like double overtime and they were talking about what goes on in the dressing room like most people would just think you just sit there and you know but there's food coming in and there's you know like i remember just listening to biz and he was talking about like how how you haven't eaten since like noon you know you eat your pregame meal at noon and like it's, you know, the next day talking about the, you know, the next day throws you off, like things like that. Those, that's what I, like, I would want to hear watching those games. Like, I don't want to yeah. hear about, oh, they're doing a one, three, one. Like these, these people watch the game, but they're not interested in that. They're interested in all the details of what these guys are wearing nowadays and what they're, you know, driving and what, you know, their, their style, like they're, they're interested more in the personality and by bringing like PK and, you know, Paul and, you know, all the, the retired guys, they, they give you insight of actually what, what all the details are of everything and not just the game. And I think that's, what's really intriguing to the, to people watching the, the, the TV stations and TNT and, you know, all these, um, these, these TV stations. I think that that's what they want to hear. They want to hear the stories in between the periods yeah. and because it's entertainment, they get teasing each other and they get chirping each other. Like that's what I watch for. Like if, you know, like I saw Anson Carter, he couldn't get a, a sentence out to, you know, uh, one of the interviews and they just like, you could just see them all laughing yeah. and they just couldn't wait to get back to the interview and being over just to rip on Anson. And, and he knew it, Yeah. but like that, that's entertainment to me. And I think it's great. They've done a really good job with bringing in all these guys that have personality, Correct. That, you know, laugh and can make fun of themselves. And it makes it much more enjoyable for I mean, I know watching the playoffs, I look forward to the, the intermission show more than part, parts of the game because yeah. I knew it was going to be entertaining. So I think they're they're going in the right direction and getting all these guys that, you know, like old timers out of the, you know, off the TV that bringing in the young youth that are that, that is there for energy and, and insight towards the stories that you actually want to hear. Yeah, oh, that's perfect. And Jim, your thoughts kind of on this topic and how you see it growing in such a great way, too? Well, I think along the lines of kids, uh, back when we were watching CBC, used to watch Coach's Corner just for Don Cherry. What do you say? And and whether you love him or you hate him, he was always a he was always an entertainment. In between, I remember as a young kid watching 
coach's corner. I remember those episodes with him and Ron McLean and how how intriguing they were, how funny they were just to listen um, him and Ron go back and forth. You can see Ron rolls eyes sometimes when, when Don says something. And the same kind of banter with those guys. I think uh, like I think Kevin, uh, I know Kevin be excellent, but he does a really good job on uh, CBC there. And they're, they seem to be having a little more fun with it. They're not so robotic anymore. It's just more off the cuff. And like with Biz and, you know, Gretzk and, talking to those guys, Anson and those guys on, uh, on TNT, it, it, it makes, it makes for entertainment and, and people love the, I, people love the intermissions now like before they probably just turn it off and go grab a beer and wait for the period to start. But I think more people tune in for intermissions just because of those guys. And like, like Fizz says, the entertainment's great and the knowledge they have and, uh, just kind of the inside stories they tell I think that's what they want to hear. Yeah. You hit on a good point too, guys. It's like just the personality part of it. It's like, that's a big part of the game that might not be there as much as it was when you guys played. Like it was probably more like you look at the great names like Steve Ott and even, even you Fids in your time and Schimmerger in your time. Like, I don't know how many of those guys are around now. Like I, I heard, you know, Ryan Reeves talk about this on John Scott's podcast. He's like, it just seems to be like the last few guys that are the fighters or the guys with the personalities and the star guys might not have all of that too. So we'll see how that kind of changes if it grows a little bit more. But uh, um, Phil, well, like back, like back when I think Fitz could attest to this. Like when we first started the, when we first started NHL, like it was like, like it was fun. Like you had like, like not to say we party all the time, but guys would be out there, and we go to the, like you go to a, a city and regularly you drop your bag in five minutes, and probably fifteen guys would go for a beer. Yeah. Just have like go hang out now. Now the and and I remember in Edmonton they had beers in the room after the game. You had, instead of shakes, they had, like we'd have. It's guys sit around, have a beer after, and then, and now you you hear the blenders are if they're <laughs> the blenders start going, and, you know like we're, who, the only guys I can have a beer with were the trainers back when at the end of my career I had to go back and back and with the skate trip uh, all the guys in the back and have a beer with the old guys back there. So yeah. that's uh, it's become it was nice to see like the, like I think people forget the hockey's still fun. You still got to enjoy it. I think it's become real. It, I mean the money's great, but it's those are the times you remember having beers with the guys and shooting a shit with the trainer in the back, having a beer with him. And it's, uh, that's the stuff you miss. And that's the stuff I think you, you, you really cherish when the you, most, right? as time goes by, you're like, Jesus, I miss, I miss that stuff. That's for sure. Yeah. Bill, you have anything before we kind of move on? No, just like kind of the same thing, like looping back around it. Like I was listening to missing curfew last week and somebody called in and said, you know, it's, it's like being in the locker room and you know, uh, you guys, you guys would know better than me. Like, uh, listening to Spitting Chicklets and maybe our podcast and Missing Curfew and and even like watching those guys in in the intermission, it's it is it's like be it must be like being in the locker room like you're you're ribbing each other you're you're giving each other a hard time like Fids you were just saying about Anson Carter like they, they just couldn't wait to get their jabs <laughs> in on them but yeah it, it it must be pretty uh it must be pretty similar like maybe maybe a little bit. Uh, team or language but you know <laughs> yeah, we need to swear probably a little bit more on this pod so but uh, if any of that's one feedback that we don't get it we probably should do just to be a little oh, bit I can, we, I get, fe- we get yeah. feedback yeah. saying we need to swear more yeah you don't ever swear though phil it's always a buck when you swear it always goes in the swear jar yeah. so the funniest thing is coaching the coach you're trying to coach kids now and, and coaches would always be like you know, fuck this, fuck this in the dress room. And then now I'm trying to articulate my thoughts in the dress room. And I'll, I'll, all I got to think of is, is 
with these 15 year old and 13 year old girls. It's like, I'm like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> and the girls are like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> They're like, what? Yeah. You got a fucking goal. You got to fucking like, you got to compete. Like, yeah. It's, it's just, like, like, it's like watching uh, Bruce Boudreaux, like on those like uh, heritage <laughs> classic ones. Like, holy jeez. Like the air is blue in there. Was, eh? like, I, was, I was in that uh, dressing room for that speech. <laughs> yeah. How was yeah. that, Chimmer? Oh, it was what? awesome. He came and it was just like, he knew it was coming too because he gets all the furnace face and uh, <laughs> every second word out of Bruce's mouth when he comes is, is that face. That face. <laughs> oh, fuck. Surely, fuck, we can handle this. <laughs> Uh, that's hilarious. You're gonna have to put a disclaimer on the beginning of this episode, boss. Uh, we always do anyway, so <laughs> we'll, we'll be okay. Um, so, Chimmer, uh, you know, talk about your kids. Like, how how's the year gone? It's uh, obviously summertime, but how is uh, the hockey year for them and and yourself and the coaching and you know where things at now? And you know, what what kind of stuff are you guys doing during the summertime to kind of stay into it and stay active? And you know, anything you're working on? Yeah, uh, I just re- my daughter had one of those. Uh, um, it's like kind of brick series for the girls at the West Hamilton Mall. We we finished second, but um, they're a group of two thousand ten girls. So, but just just uh, from from all over the province. So I think it's just uh, these girls are outstanding. Uh, it's called Alberta Warriors Student Organization, but it's just like it's uh, these girls are outstanding. to coach their just their attention to like detail and fun and listening, and they're just a uh, and their their work ethic was unbelievable. We we lost in overtime, one nothing, double overtime to Connecticut. But the girls oh, deserved a win. We 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 uh, outshot them lots, and their goalie played outstanding. So, um, but it was it's 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 just such a fun group. Uh, I re- I didn't coach girls till like last uh, last spring. We had this team too, and it just uh, I don't know. Some of the girls they they love the game for the right reason, and there's no there's really no notion of making NHL. But now with those pathways of of the older girls, you know, having a new league and CBA and it kind of gives them a platform and stuff to look forward to when they grow older. So hopefully that keeps on going and hopefully that grows for those. So, um, but that was fun. And just, and right now you kind of try to stay away from the rink as much as possible. I know, you know, Fids has got the stuff with his kids, but like, it's kind of, we, I think Fids could test. We really never did anything in the summer. We just played soccer and kind of ran around and you no know, woods. We just kind of, my parents couldn't afford training. We we just kind of we just <laughs> played played. Right? We just like we, we, what what was training? Go to the BMX really track. The BMX track. Exactly. Yeah, the BMX track. My wife, my part. Yeah, <laughs> go play mini golf. That was a training. Yeah, was, but so you try to get them away from the rink too, so they they love coming to the, the rink as well. Yeah. Um, and your son, like how are things with him, and is he staying pretty busy too? Yeah, he's uh, he's he's getting a little good little golfer. He's uh. Uh, we did a finished like a camp, just kind of just a skating camp uh, with uh, Brian Shackles, his name, and he, he does some stuff with Quantum too. So uh, that's kind of all wrapped up and just kind of now he's uh, just playing some golf. He'll be going to OHA next year again. He's U17 next year, so he'll be going uh, yeah. OHA to play there. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so Fids, uh, you know, obviously the big news with uh, with your kid Blake, and you know how exciting was that for you and the family, and you know, got a lot of support online from it too, and you know, just kind of the progression that uh, that he's made um, to date. Yeah, it's super exciting. We, uh, you know, it's a it's a the U.S. hockey uh, does a really good job. They you know, break all the regions down and districts and they bring in the top 
200 kids to Buffalo. And um, I, I tell you, it was, I never got to represent my country. So it was super stressful for me. And I, I knew how, you know, how bad Blake wanted it. And, um, you know, throughout the camp, he, he did, he did really good. He got better and better as the camp went on. And, you know, it started getting a little bit more interesting at the end because they break it down to the top 40 kids and, and now you're like, okay, now you've got a 50% chance because there's a, he's a D man. So there's 12 D left and there's gonna, yeah. they're going to pick six to go overseas. So um, it was like, you know, I, Shimmer can probably attest to this. When you're, I coach, so I'm always on the bench and you can give them a little bit of feedback. But when you're in the stands, you have no yeah. impact. <laughs> right? Like you have zero impact. And it's more stressful because, you know, like, for the forwards, I can go to them and say, hey, listen, they're doing this or that. Or, you know, for the D, I can say, listen, they're coming at you hard. Use the weak side. But this, you have no impact. At one point, I, for the final game, I, I had a coffee and trying to sit on my own. And Blake went out there for a shift and got off. And I was like, okay, that was decent. And I went to reach for my coffee. And it was about, my coffee was about seven feet down. So <laughs> down from the I, I was really moving stick handling. So it no, was uh, but uh you know well, you have no was, control over it right it's no. just like that's so right. like, you're just like it's just like you're helpless so you're yeah yeah so when when they finally picked the team you know we i was just so proud of them and uh you know to represent your country is is a whole nother level and um you know it's it's uh it's just one of those things where it doesn't matter you know i'm canadian and he's american so uh, it doesn't matter what color he wears, I'll, I'll support him. And we're looking forward to going over to check here at the end of the month and supporting him and hopefully bring back a goal. USA hockey's been a big part for you in your career, like all those places you played and, and whatnot. Like it's been pretty cool to kind of see the progression because I know last August when I saw uh, Jason Spets uh, uh, at the Holanka Gretzky Cup and I brought your name up, I was just kind of sitting in the stands with him and as soon as I brought your name up, you just lit up like a Christmas tree. And then he, and then we talked about Blake and just, he's like, man, he's going to be a hell of a player. And so that, that must be pretty cool to kind of hear those kind of stories with guys that, you know, Blake was able to meet during your career too. Right. Yeah. Well, it's great too. Like the, the Southern States, like, you know, even with the finals this year, like having, you know, two, two teams, like untraditional teams, even the final four were, or four, you know, not non, non-traditional hockey markets. So to see the South and, the programs that they have in Dallas have, have given these boys opportunities to, you know, that they wouldn't get if they're in Canada, they're, they're making it, it uh, just as good or if not better, we have, you know, the luxury of tons of ice and in Dallas alone, we have 13 sheets of ice. So, you know, the opportunity these, these boys are getting in the Southern States are uh, it's, it's incredible. And, you know, we have a lot of traditional sports here too, with baseball and, and and uh you know football and things like that but hockey's getting right up there so um between the rink and the and the dancing where my daughter just finished da- uh, da- dance nationals in vegas they were out there for 11 days so uh she's competing in that too so you know she's she's driving in that and you know we just we're full-time uber drivers one's going yeah. one way, <laughs> one's going fun. the other way or flying this 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 city or that city so you know it's fun and it keeps us busy and uh, you know, it doesn't last forever. We're, you know, we're trying to brace for Blake leaving home this year and going up to at least, at least he's going up to Edmonton where we're familiar. There's tons of family there, but you know, it's going to be a huge adjustment for everybody. Not only my wife and I, but, but my daughter too. Yeah. Uh, so, but we're excited and uh, hopefully, you know, it just 
take it day by day and get through the first couple months and hope for the best. <laughs> yeah. um, I, how how cool was it to kind of see Jerome McGinley's kid get drafted by the Oil Kings too? I don't know if you guys cross paths a lot. Uh, obviously, in your playing career, you did, but you know, I know he's a Kelowna guy. You were a Kelowna guy for a bit there, but um, you know, I, I don't know if you ever seen his son Joel play play at all, and how cool that is. Yeah, it was cool. We well, we crossed paths. Um, he he, uh, we we weren't we weren't the greatest of friends up until about two years ago when we <laughs> met up in Kelowna and our boys were going to actually plan on playing together. But um, yeah, great, great, ho- obviously great hockey guy. And, you know, his, his, both his boys are doing great. And, you know, it's it's cr- pretty cool to have another guy that, you know, has had a good NHL career uh, with his son coming in with the Oil Kings. And, um, you know, hopefully, the, you know, down the road, the boys will be playing together and we can we can uh, hash out some of the things that happened on the ice. Yeah. But, uh, uh, Jerome's a really good guy. And, um, you know, he's, he's obviously, I think he's moved into a management position with Calgary now. So yeah, I'll be interested to see how, how that all plays out. Yeah. Well, Phil will probably bring Dassey some questions on that, but Chimmer, um, I know this, this one probably means a lot to you too. And uh, a good friend of yours will kind of move over to a little bit of NHL stuff, but Joel Ward going behind the bench with the Vegas Golden Knights and, you know, a former linemate teammate and, uh, and a good friend of yours, but how pretty cool, how cool is it to see him, uh, you know, kind of get into the NHL again and, you know, did his, uh, did his time with the Henderson Knights there. Yeah, he's kind of come full circuit because he worked out his way from CIAU to play in the NHL. Now he's worked his way up through AHL to be at NHL. So he's, he's a, you know, good things happen to great people. And he's, he's one of the best I've ever met in the game and just an outstanding individual. Um, you can't say enough, uh, enough good things about Joel. So I think he's, uh, um, he'd be perfect in that role, assistant coach role. He's a, he's, a, he's a pretty good listener, a pretty good guy to, uh, you know, pick your brain about or, chat things over, see what he feels. And you probably, he probably asked more questions than he, he dictate to people. I think you just kind of listen to someone and try to figure out a solution together instead of just tell people what to do. I think the modern age player likes to have a voice and likes to um, have a say in what the, what they're doing. I think Joel will be really good at that. And then, you know, like I said, it couldn't happen to a better guy and pretty proud of that guy. Cause he's a, he's a really good individual. Yeah, well, well said, uh, Phil. You have any some uh, NHL stuff you wanted to shoot the shoot to the guys here? Well, I was actually going to ask these guys. So, so Jay, uh, Jason, you got a chance to play in Edmonton. Uh, Fizz, you didn't. You didn't play in Edmonton. Um, so, I was going to ask you, like, Fizz, did you ever want to play in Edmonton, or was it ever close to you coming to Edmonton, or anything like that? Yeah, actually. Um... When I, the year I signed a three-year in Dallas, uh, they, they offered me the same contract. And it was funny when the Oil Kings drafted Blake, Kevin Lowe picked us up from the hotel the first day and, and took us around. He said, you know, I, I still don't understand why you didn't sign here, but I knew it would be way too expensive with all my family and friends to yeah. <laughs> um, you know, supply the tickets. And, and it was actually my dad that talked me out of it. He, you know, I, I was I was all for it. And my dad said, you know, you've been down in the U.S. and you guys got a good thing going there. This is just going to add so much more pressure to you. And, you know, what that I really mauled that over over the course of the night. I remember I didn't sleep that night because that was my biggest dream ever to play for the Edmonton Oilers in the, you know, in uh, come play for your hometown, wear your jer- the jersey that you you uh, grew up watching. But, um, yeah. you know, I, I 
trust me, it, there's times where I'm like, I should have done it, but I was super close. Um, I didn't have the, you know, the honor of doing that, but, um, you know, I, 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 I was pretty lucky. I got to play in Nashville, Arizona, Dallas, and back to Nashville. So your dad probably I, I, sent you. Your dad probably sent you the tax rates on Hamilton versus Dallas. Like, yeah, that you that you definitely came up in the conversation. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Don't so you sign? Yeah. My mom was. So, my mom's like, oh, you could come live at home and back in Mill Woods, and like it's just gonna be outdoor, right? Like you just. Gotta, yeah. I don't think she's so, like. Please mom. come home. Please come <laughs> yeah, home. Yeah, yeah. At Lee Gardens every night. So. Oh yeah. Lee, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's funny you say so that you, because, because like Ryan O'Reilly just kind of, I think he did some interview and he kind of talks about that. Like him going to Toronto was more of a wake up call to be like the demand for like tickets and family and, and all that. It was, he said it was a little bit overwhelming for kind of his nature. So it's interesting. You, you kind of say that too, in, in a way that that could have been it for you. And then when you laughed about the tickets, Jimmer, you kind of chuckled there. You probably oh, got yeah. some interesting stories of how that worked. Yeah. Out so, so what was it like playing for the hometown Oilers? Well, it was it was good. But I, I, like Fizz said, and his dad probably put it the both correctly. You know, there's so much pressure from uh, like friends and family to get tickets, even though there's not. There is, and there's a lot of a lot of friends that you 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 think you didn't have. All of a sudden, you have some friends that that, <laughs> that are trying to cling on and get some tickets and stuff. And uh, remember when you used to, but. It, it, it was fun. It was fun to play here, I think, but like, uh, it, it would have been better. Like, Fizz, Fizz how old are you would, would you would have signed here? Probably older. I would have been, uh, like 31. 30s. Yeah, yeah. So it would have been a little bit better there because I think you were a little more mature to handle it, but I think I was younger and I wasn't ready for the, the limelight or the attention I think you get from it. I think everywhere you go, you're, you're the man. And that for, for a young kid, it kind of, for better or worse, it kind of went to my head a bit and it kind of wasn't the person I, I wanted to be. And I think, uh, and uh, I think um, when you're a little more mature, I think you had a little better, but I, it, it was good. Cause my, I bought my family, my family season tickets, my brother and sister, my mom and dad, and for them to get to see me play every night in the NHL, that was, that was pretty cool. I think that was, that was really a, a blessing there. Cause you know, as, as Fizz knows, you're, you're nowhere without your parents, especially our parents weren't the, didn't have a lot of money and a lot of money went to us kids playing sports. And I think, uh, all their last dollar went to us playing sports. And I can remember my dad coming home and at six o'clock at night and, and driving us to right to hockey and didn't even shower. So I think it's, uh, you owe, you owe a lot to the, your parents and what they did for you when you're younger. It's, 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 and, and now it comes full circle. You're like you said, we're the Uber driver. Now we're now we're feeling like, Holy smokes and the price of stuff and the price of hockey and, not that I'm cheap, but I'm Ukrainian. I'm like, geez, this is this is crazy. <laughs> Goddamn! I should have stockpiled some old CCM sticks that are like four hundred bucks a pop at the at the. Like, what the fuck is a stick? Yeah, it's got a good kick point. All the kids be like, what sticks what? that? Yeah, like, what's I, I, from what's like two thousand two? I still don't even know what the kick point is for Kirk's sake. <laughs> dump it in, right, Fitz? That's all. Dump, that's all the kick point we need. I hear you, boys. I just, I just, uh, I just paid the bill for my boys' hockey. I got two boys in minor hockey, and my jaw hit the ground when oh, I saw I the total. I was like, "Geez!" I know. And they got to get equipment and sticks, yeah. and you know, and then we're like rural Alberta, so then we're traveling every weekend and going to tournaments. So. But you know, I'm not going to complain because Feds just kind of told us his uh, his son's schedule this summer. It's probably a little 
further than I'm going to go, but you know. <laughs> that's a, well, it's eventually, a, I, bought, I, I bought a I bought a pair of sta- skates the other day from Pro Skate. I was like, I don't know, seven hundred fifty for these mock Bauer skates, and I and asked them what kind of blades they come with. Like, what the fuckers don't even come with blades anymore? No, you got to buy those too. You got to buy the steel, <laughs> and of course you need two or three sets, and they're and you're like, what? The fuck is going on? Good thing you didn't stick- jump on the ice without them, eh? Yeah, well, they had these little plastic holders in the bottom. The guys like they're, they're plastic. I'm like, what the? This is unbelievable. But times crazy. have changed, eh? Yeah, times have changed. You know, the it's old wood good. blades. Yeah, <laughs> the old wood blades. Did you did yeah. you guys did you guys uh, use the wood blades when you first came in, or were they were they pretty much transitioned over? I had the old two piece when I started. Yep, yeah, in Edmonton. Yeah, you Cole and Ryan Cor- Smith, I eh? Was, I think it was a Coho Corby. I think that was was a the shaft and yeah, Ryan Smith, they the big greatest Canadian ever, eh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good old Nashville guy now, I guess. Yeah. What, about you, what about you, Fids? What was your first pro stick? My first pro, I used a two-piece butterscotch Easton with uh oh, yeah. Easton Lidstrom uh you know heel curve blade. And then I my first or second, I think it was first year pro I I tried one of those, the, the first great synergy. And I was just like, I, I don't even know if I liked it. I just, I just thought it was like, you know, the, the tits. So I, I just used it. It, did really, it's all, it's all, it, did, it didn't matter what stick I used. Trust me. It's all between the ears, right boys? Yeah. yeah. For me and Fitz, but when they're asking what curve we want, just give us a goddamn curve. Did you guys, did you guys like walk up and down the sticks like all the other players sticks and you're like, Oh, I should, can I try your stick out? Like, you know, <laughs> I did. I, I, I did use it. Yeah, I did for the couple curves. I, I used to use a heel curve too. When I started first started with uh fids, I, I used a heel curve till, till Adam Oates was my coach I had to change. So yeah, he's got to change. He's resurrected some pretty good careers here. Like even Luke Shen's career. Um, you know, what Adam Oates has been able to do. Do you think that's kind of, there's going to be more guys like that in the game? Um, you know, or is that kind of the main guy that you think people will go to? Vince or uh, I think there's, I think there's, you know, there's more and more of those guys coming out of the woodwork, which, you know, I think it could be could good and bad because, you know, yeah. your coach, coach is your coach. And then you got some guy doing video with you on the side. I, I don't know. There could be a little bit of conflict of interest with it, but I mean, it's no different than getting help from, you know, your your dad or something. I guess, yeah. but um, you know, you you don't see a whole bunch of guys doing it, but there are guys that are using those guys, and seems to be working for some guys. But yeah, um, I don't know. I, as a I coach, think, I, yeah, I think I, I was kids. It's all it's a it's a lot of like you you coach a lot of these kids, and you could tell right away who has hockey sense and who doesn't, and and who really gets the game and. I mean, I, I always always tell people you can't buy a hockey player. Like those oh. guys are in NHL for a reason, and and you could tell right away when you're young who has hockey sense and who gets the game and who gets concepts and um, and some some kids just don't get it. I think I think it's just it's just the way it is. I think it's just I mean some kids are are more in tune to being coached and being coachable and just having on that and. And like Fitz says, sometimes less is more because then you ruin the kid's actual athleticism and his natural instincts out there when he's just thinking about video. And I wasn't a huge fan of video. I think it's kind of ruins a lot of things sometimes. I think, and then, then I think, I think the game has become too, a little too robotic in, in ways, in that way. So, 
You got to move down to the U.S., Shiver, because I was watching this tournament, like this U.S. De- development tournament. I watched two games where a puck wasn't dumped one time in the whole game. I, I was just like, it was just like the amount of plays are made at the blue line. I think it's good. I mean, you're, 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 I think you're right, Jimmer. There's a lot of robotic going on. And I think if you have a lot of, I think a lot of the, the issues with hockey is you're stuck in a system and then you, you think too much and then you just don't read and react. And then you don't, you don't play your game because yeah. Majority of kids, if you give them too much information, then they're on their heels. They're like, should I go or shouldn't I go? If you can just read yeah. and react tons of pressure in that, I think you'll find way more kids that can play the game as, as opposed to kids that are stuck in a system. But, um, you know, I, 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 I've been more involved with the USA Hockey since I've been down here. And, I, I mean, I've seen a little bit of Hockey Canada too, but I think it's, I think it's a good thing when, when kids don't get too much because you get stuck in – like you said, being a robot and not making a, a read and react on a play where your coach is telling you to do this. And that's the only way to do it. Like a Ken Hitchcock, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I agree with that. Like you find a hockey player, you, you, when you see a, when you, when you take your, your, your hockey, you, you know, your hockey team out, you can tell right away who's, who's got it and who watches the game and who loves it and yeah. who's a of the game. Then there's kids that are just kamikazes and all over the no. place. <laughs> you know, it's great too. There's room for everybody, but you, you can tell. Like, I think uh, it's it's easy to weed weed out the, those kids yeah. that don't know what is going on or really care to know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, that's the. So uh, Clay Vanderham just made like a Stone Cold Steve Austin appearance here, just like mid match, just came out, gave out a stunner. So, Mandy, uh, oh, that's, a, that's <laughs> a fine. That's a fine. Yeah. Thirty minutes late, big cheer. I'm in, I'm in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I, I, I caught uh, three quarters, but <laughs> I caught, I caught the tail end of that conversation. And here, I don't know if, if we can make sense of this, but so I'm in Fort Wayne, Indiana for an inline roller hockey tournament. And we have, I think Alberta has probably four or five teams. And like Ohio has a bunch of teams, Wisconsin, and and we're getting pumped by teams from Missouri, and 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 I, I just caught the tail end when you guys were talking about structure and and too much, and you know dump and chase and 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 that I think if I caught the gist of it, I watch these like Missouri has a an unbelievable my my kids age group is only eight. And they have an unbelievable OE team, and they they it's all about possession, possession, and and I think I don't know how to explain this, but like inline is east west, and hockey is north south. And when you watch Ohio, Wisconsin, the 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 hockey, Minnesota, they're they're north south. And I think even ice hockey's going that way, where it's going east west, where everybody's kind of rotating. If that makes sense, I, or not rotating, and the wine may be kicking in. I apologize for that, but 
Oh, did he freeze up? <laughs> no, no, he, he, he didn't know where he was going. He just scrolled up. Brain like, freeze. Like, freeking, he's the name thinking. of the game now. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, am I, am, I, am, am, am I making sense? Probably not. I guarantee I'm not. But but I'm just saying, like, I'm, I'm, I'm so, I'm, I'm at this, it's state of the wars. Uh, state wars in line, Fort Wayne, Indiana. And it's, I mean, I'm I'm blown away by how crazy they are about inline down here, and and then I start watching it as as a coach or you know I I want to learn about inline and I want to bring it back to Canada and I'm watching these Florida and and um, Missouri and and Tennessee and they got New York they got good teams and I'm like why are what and then, like, a majority of the kids don't even play ice hockey. And I'm like, okay, well, how, how can, how do they even learn about this? And then why, why, why can't our kids learn about it? And why can't, and then here's the other thing. I know I'm going on a rant, I'm sorry. But they want to know about our kids playing ice hockey. Like, do you play ice hockey? Well, how is that? And I'm watching my kids interact with other kids. and. It's kind of neat, but just tell them it's very expensive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that could be why they're not playing, right? But, but yeah, I mean, it. If 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 I was reading you guys correct, it was about possession and how the game. You're not dumping chase anymore. Where our kids, you know, our Alberta kids, we get the puck and we get pressured in in line, and we want to get rid of it right away. Yeah, we want to pump it off the glass. Chip and Chase, let's go after it, north south, where these kids are like taking it behind the net and they slow. And we got like there's kids on these teams that are playing on like three different teams. I'm like, yeah, you know, you, you, but if, if you look at the game in essence, if you look at the game in the playoffs, the game's still the same. It's still yeah, how you can manage the puck, how you can like we're not I'm not saying like dump and chase, but you can. I think possession is you. You still can dump the puck in to get it back. Like that's not losing possession of it. Like if you're just dumping and chasing the dump and chase it, then that's stupid. But like I think there's there's yeah. a way to blend the there's a way to blend the old school and the new school. I, I I do believe you have to have possession in it, but that's just all being comfortable on your edges and protecting the puck on the boards and not throwing the pucks away and waiting for support and where your support is and and there's there's ways to blend the old with the new. I think uh, I mean. I don't think I've never been a fan of East West game because I think I've always been a North South kind of guy, but I think there's a way to and roller hockey is totally different than ice hockey. I think, I think yeah. it's a, right. So I, I think it's a, it's a different game. I'll, I'll, but so I, I still think there's a, there's a, there's room for the old school, but not like old school to a fact where, where like Fids and me were saying, you get so locked up in a system that that's all you're doing. You're, it, there's no read and react and kids are not ad living out there and, what they should be doing is like, and as maybe Fizz can help me on this one too, but like puck support's a big thing, knowing where to be and why, and know where the good, good ice is instead of the open ice. Like don't just go to open ice. Like where's the good ice? Where do I got to get to? Where's my buddy at? Like that kind of stuff's kind of, the kids have kind of gotten robotic where they stand in the spot or not even help your buddy. I'll be kind of, so I, there, there's ways to blend the old with the new. I, I feel, I don't know about you Fizz. Yeah, I agree. You have you have to have a bit of both, but Bandy, I I like I I 
I, I can't believe it sometimes. Like, we go to these tournaments out east or, you know, and you, you, it's a little bit different up in Minnesota, up north, but it's a little bit same as Canada. But I, it's, it's, it's a puck possession game. But like you said, Shimmer, there's, it's, it's puck possession, but it's major puck support too. So yeah. you're always, you always have speed around the puck. So when you, you, you know, you're not quite dumping it like we used to. You're dumping it into a, an area where you're, you're going to possess the puck. With, yeah. with a purpose, correct. And you're going to get the puck back because your system is is puck pursuit and puck placement rather than, you know, yeah. the old traditional, hey, let's dump it in and just motherfuck everybody below the goal line and then yeah. get, get everybody, get everybody, you know, caught in the zone and then there's odd man rush as well. You know, I, I've, I've seen teams even circle back at the blue if they have nothing. They refuse to dump the puck, but they, they do they do manage it a little bit differently where they're they're placing it in places where they can possess the puck back quick rather than you know chase the, chase it down. And you know, nowadays you have to because these D these D can move the puck so well and skate so well and make plays down low where when we were playing, it was oh, yeah. whoever was the biggest kid that couldn't skate, you're gonna yeah. go play and Dump it in there. <laughs> you you got to be puck. You got to be smart with the puck placement and 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 uh, pursuit because that's the only way you're going to get the puck back. So is there, that's a whole uh, other episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> is there a team that you guys think does it the best, or a group of teams? Like I know Dallas is pretty good with you know their placement and the guys that they have on the back end that can move the puck. And obviously, we just seen the Vegas Golden Knights win, but. Um, is there even maybe a team that you guys even played on during your career that was, you know, one of the, one of the greats that really did it too? Shimmer. Well, like when I played the Capitals for a bit, they're like, we like Backstrom and those guys and seven and, um, Ovi and those guys would possess the puck, like no, no one's business. And, you know, we had, uh, Brendan Morrison was there when it first got there. And, uh, TJ Oshie was there, Troy Brower, a whole bunch of guys are like really had some, uh, and they could possess the buck along the boards and not give it away. And and we 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 were never we were never a dump and chase team there. We always wanted to possess the puck. But like like Fitz says, it was puck pursuit and how your supports. You got you got four or five foot passes everywhere. That now you look now you got supports and now you're looking fast. And it was never dump it into just dump it in. You dump it into an area where you got your buddies coming over. And so it was more puck possession with a purpose. That that's that was a that's a big thing to think too. It's yourself. Yeah. A lot of it too comes from like, like I talked about these D you know, it's not the chip chip off the glass anymore. Like these D are, it starts in your own end with, with the good outlet pass and then speed through the neutral zone and transition or on a regroup where a D is not just jamming it up the boards and you're chipping it and chasing it. Like these guys are making quality plays with to the wingers that are collecting the puck with speed. And now there's, there's, there's opportunity for guys to support you and make those plays at the blue, like these backstroms and high end skill guys. So it, it, I believe it starts in your own end with your, with these good puck moving D men, like even um, like Vegas, like they're, they're big, strong guys, but the, all all of those 60 could move the puck well and make a play out of their own end where they're not just jamming their winger or centerman so they could collect the puck with speed and then make those plays at the blue so they're not dumping it and you know chasing it they're they're making good quality plays at the at the offensive blue line where they're putting the puck in in areas where they can get it possess it puck you know puck puck uh, protection down low 
Um, and, you know, then, then they're making those plays and then they have the ability to get up the ice with their legs because they all can move well. Yeah. So that like, you know, they, they talk about that nowadays, like the fourth man is the most dangerous man because you beat someone up the ice. So, you know, I think the game's in a good spot. The teams that can figure that out, like Dallas is another team. They can move the puck. Well, they have their top four can really scoot and they, they can join the rush so that it makes them a little bit more dangerous, but it starts coming out of their end They're, They've got clean exits coming out of their end. And, you know, it, it makes it a lot easier for the forwards. I, we used to get passes in our skates and, you know, <laughs> off the glass, go chase it. And, you know, it's just a different game, which it's fun to watch. Like I've never watched hockey in a lower bowl of a game in a game until basically this year we, we got tickets and we'd go to all the games and, you know, usually you sit and sweep, but I really enjoyed sitting in the lower bowl. Cause you just, you're like, fuck, these guys are fast. Like how did I play in this league for so long? Yeah. You know, like, it's like, it's just, they're just so good up, up that close. And, you know, I, obviously they're getting better and better than we were, but they also had way more coaching and you know, yeah. skills coach and skating coaches and all this, but yeah, we didn't have that. We didn't have that fit. So that's, that's bullshit. These guys got an extra. We had Ben Dorvel. We had Ben Dorvel. We had to teach ourselves, buddy. We had to teach ourselves. Oh man, that's hilarious. Or what was it? Wayne Tennant. Wayne Tennant. Larry Draper. Oh God. Larry Draper. Yeah. Wayne Tennant. Wayne Tennant. Yeah. So we got just one more question for you. Get you guys out of here. Obviously, Edmonton Pod. You know, Edmonton Boys. All that stuff. Just a quick thought on you know maybe the season and the off season and. Um, do you think that their time is now? We'll throw to you, Chimmer, first and get you to finish up, Fids. Well, let's first start. Remember when we start this? It wasn't off air, but we got to get uh, Fids in the Millwoods Recreation Center picture up there. Oh, fuck. Well, that's Jay, more important. That's more important. It's actually, more yeah. important. Than, this, yes. this, 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 is yes. more, this is more important than the Oilers because the Jays yeah. up there, Bullmeister, and I'm up there, and, and we got to get Fids up there because not too many Millwoods kids are making it out of there and, and, and go on and have some good careers. And Fids had a great career. And, I think he deserves to get up. It's kind of in, in in a place where no one really walks there, but it's still up there. So we we need we need we need Fids up there so he could have a picture up there. In the, in There's the an actual race. area that he could go. So yes, really it's, it's waiting to, for like, like it's already it's waiting there. For it's, just blank. it's funny you say it's funny you say that because we talked about moving everything down to from up above to down like below because nobody no. nobody walks. Yeah used to and now all those pictures of down there moved to like the trinity side of the trinity exit doors where nobody's allowed to go and nowadays the kids aren't even allowed to walk there so yeah we've talked about doing that and fids yeah we need to get a pet yeah see it just snap just snap a screenshot right now vandy and go put it up yeah it was funny no i want an action shot Either a hit or a goal, or I don't, you know. He's got to have a hit goal and then him mocking the exit, like doing the <laughs> exit kind of thing, too. Well, well, what was the one where you're, you're mocking the lane VO? Was that or when you went by? Was that when you're mocking the exit? You went by? The, oh, the, yeah. The, he was the warden. He, the warden. Yeah. <laughs> used to call him the warden. <laughs> guy drove me nuts. But I will oh, say, Ed, that guy does a great job on TV. Like he's, uh, He does, yeah. 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 yeah Much as I. Much as, we our kids are both those sevens too, so we've actually played against each other. And I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you guys. There we we had did have a couple games where 
we were up seven one, and I kept putting the power play out because I <laughs> just keep running. Wanted, wanted to make sure and shake his hand at the end. I love That's it. That's awesome. <laughs> you got a little tighter, little tighter. Yeah. Oh yeah, I made sure I was I was ready for it. Yeah. Like a motherfucker. <laughs> That's uh, I think that's a good way to end uh, episode 200 on that, guys. Uh, you know, send me a pick and I'll uh-huh. get it. I'm send coming, up, I'm, I'm coming up uh, on the 20th. I'm gonna bring one and I'm just gonna go stick it on the glass, like uh, on the, on the trophy case. It doesn't even have to be inside. Okay. But listen, tell me what you're doing. Don't tape it, it. Don't tape it, it up. up there for a day and then I'll come grab it at the end of the day. I want to record that. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, Doug Ockenberg walked up with me and he's like, how the fuck is Fitz not up here? And I'm like, I don't know. And then I sent you the video, Fitz. I was like, how the fuck? You're like, I don't fucking know. (laughs) We're fucking agreeing. So, yeah. They should have our faces on those uh, wood-carved Mill Wood signs somewhere, Chimmer. Yes. 66th Street. Like, they should have our faces carved in there like the... Uh, like Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Yeah. Like a Chimera Way or a Fiddler Way yeah. or something. That'd be something. Right. Something. Like something. Yeah, Jesus on. Christ. Okay, hang on. I know Chimera Way would be like Melbourne right by Michael's Park. Yep, I'll take it. I'll take it. The gas station. I'll be... Fids, I don't know. Where did you grow up? Hillview? Where? No, I grew up in Crawford Plains, but I want Fiddler Street to be on uh, Lee Gardens. What is that? Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, right by Hillview. Yeah, Hillview. Uh, I think it's uh, I think it's Lee Ridge. I want to say Lee Ridge. Lee Ridge, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Lee Ridge. <laughs> so funny because like that picture of you, your profile picture on Instagram. I just found it online, and I just was like, "I was like, all Fitz was doing is telling uh, uh, Zidane to try out Lee Gardens." Right? Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, oh. as as modest as Bolmeister is, where would Bolmeister be? Way, and we'll just we'll name it. Fuck it. Well, it's got to be like a quiet back, uh, like a probably behind the rink somewhere. Probably that be nice and quiet. You know, yeah, like, somewhere so. quiet. <laughs> yeah. Stand not like back row. Yeah, yeah. 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 right behind the tennis court. Yeah, it's right behind the tennis court. Yeah, yeah, that'd be perfect. No, we'll give him like a like thirty eight A of like not thirty eight yeah, yeah. but like thirty eight yeah. A of. Yeah. All, All right, right, guys. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, means a lot, and uh, it's always nice to kind of catch up with you guys and uh, shoot the shit, have a good conversation, and. Uh, um, and again, thanks for being a part of episode 200. Uh, you guys have been a huge part uh, ever since we connected, and it uh, means a lot to kind of have build those friendships and good laughs. And can't wait to see you, uh, even Fids. Can't wait to see you here with your kid and and stuff like that. I know you're pretty happy of uh, Riley Fidler Schultz and him getting a deal too. So I know maybe we maybe a quick thought on that before we go. I know you're pretty excited. Yeah, we're we're super excited for Riley too. Um, He'll be a, he signed a two-year deal with Rochester in the American League. So uh, he he reminds me a lot of myself, a little bit of a late bloomer, and um, you know just such a quality kid. Like he's just just it's just crazy. But you know my my nephew's 21 now and he's going to turn pro, and yeah. I'm I'm super proud of him. Not not only for you know signing the contract, but just how he handles everything and. You know he's a strong believer in that he's going to get an opportunity. Just got he's got to keep working, and that's the message I give him all the time. It's everyone's got their own path, and 
you know, I'm I'm hoping that uh, he can get get healthy again. He hurt his knee in, in the end of playoffs there, but he, he's getting healthy now, and he can have a strong start to the season. And looking forward to following him as well. And yeah. to you guys, thank you guys the to the to the 200 show. This podcast uh, is one of the only ones I'll go on because I know the quality of people that run it, and it's been a it's been a pleasure to be a part of it. And I'm looking forward to a bunch more shows. Thanks. Yeah, congrats, guys. This is uh, unbelievable. You guys are at 200. It's pretty cool. And I think, uh, like like Fizz says, you guys are classy guys. So it's always nice to help out yeah. fellow Amatonians, Millwood's kids. So it's pretty fun to everyone to get together like that. So it's yeah. pretty cool to see other people. You know, to reach 200 is pretty pretty cool milestone for you guys. So that's awesome. Thank you. Clay, you have anything you want to add? I know. Clay still, is he, is he still, uh, is he still frozen? It might be frozen. Still. No, he's still he's still yeah, thinking about his game today. He's shut up ever since the East West stuff. He's thinking north, south, southwest, yeah. south, yes. which he is, he's got he's got a new game. Shamara doesn't like it. I'm like, fuck Shamara, play. He's gonna go he's northwest and northwest and southeast. That's oh. the new new style. <laughs> yeah, that's the Draper coming out with me, Draper coaching and all. But hey, look, yeah, I, I'm, I, I wanted to be a part of this. Maybe a little lit up, but <laughs> I was with a bunch of inline parents. But no, it, thanks for joining us, guys, and I appreciate it. And you know what? Um, I, I, I didn't hear the beginning. How did um, your daughter do last weekend, Timmer? Oh, you got to bring that oh, up. Oh, yeah. Thanks a lot. Here we buddy. go. This is, this is really good. Oh, I just like, just watch yeah, the pod. Just watch the goddamn podcast. Can you find out? I have another one, Clay. <laughs> well, I didn't know. I don't, I don't. All I know, Trevor told me. To I already ask, cried. Um, I already cried once. I don't want to cry again. All right. Daddy, like, all right. All right, guys. Um, have a good one, guys. All Take right. Care. Yeah, boys. <laughs> Thanks, boys. Right. See you guys. Thanks. Bucks fans, our next guest has 584 points. He's played over 1,100 games in the NHL regular season and over 100 in the playoffs. He's won a Mem Cup, a Stanley Cup, and a gold medal with Team Canada. And he's also the reigning and defending heavyweight champion of the National Hockey League. <laughs> I had to do the wrestling one, Luch. Sorry, bud. But uh, we like to welcome Milan Lucic back to the Two Months Podcast. Luch, how's it going? It's going good. How are you guys doing? Yeah, we're good, man. We're good. So, uh, things are uh... been busy. <laughs> been busy. Yeah, things have been real busy the last two weeks. So, yeah, kind of been everywhere. And uh, yeah, it's it's but but busy busy is good sometimes, you know. Yeah, you got that right. No, time flies by before you know it. You'll uh, you'll be at that uh, game one um, and a great ceremony and great ovation for you. But uh, uh, before I toss it over to Clay here, I just kind of see how things are going. I know it's been the, you've been kind of back in Boston here in the last few days and some pictures of meeting some fans again and seeing some old faces. Uh, how's that experience been for you? Yeah, it's been, it's been cool. It's been great. Uh, you know, it's, it's something that I don't know if I ever thought ever really was going to happen, but, uh, you know, it's, 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 I don't even know how to explain it. It's just, it's just pretty, it's just cool. And, and I'm grateful that I, that I get to be a Bruin again, uh, being back in Boston the other day, 
was was really cool and and uh yeah i'm excited for the season to start and, and get things going and to where to where the spoke be again yeah no it's uh i'm happy for you man because it kind of gives you that like you know, like he even said with John Scott, like you're far from done. Like this is no farewell to her. Like it's just the opportunity came at the right time to go back to a place that means a lot to you. Uh, so I'm just happy that, you know, you get to experience that because in life, sometimes we don't get, get those second chances to get that opportunity. And the fact that it's the hundred season and you're back with some of the guys that you're really close with. And I think what's also cool too, is like, you know, like you got your kids are older now and like all these other guys that are on the team when you want a cup, like they, they have kids too. And now they're all, they're like, how, how cool is that experience going to be? Because I know when you were with the flames, like you, you and your wife did such a great job of bringing everyone together. And I know that's probably going to be the same thing here again too. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and one of the things that I said was, was, you know, uh, even though, even though my two older kids, they're, they're born in Boston, they don't, they don't really remember me as a Bruin. Yeah. You know, they, uh, they were two, two and, and a newborn. So all they really remember me is as an oiler in a flame, um, more so a flame than anything. So to, to be able to, to, to be a brood again in front of my kids is, is something that's going to be really special and really cool. Uh, but, but yeah, you know, uh, you know, just like you said, uh, always been been one of those guys that to, to bring teammates together uh bring families together uh one of the things that you know i did this this last past season was was my kids did come out to boston uh to watch me play but it'll it'll be even more special to to be a bruin now to for them to come watch me play and uh and yeah it's it, it's funny you know even though most people remember me and know me as a bruin uh, you know, it's, it, it has been eight years. It's been a long time. And there's only two guys on the team that I played with before with, uh, with, uh, Pasternak and, and Marshawn, you know, so to be able to reunite with them is going to be pretty awesome. I don't know. I played with Derek Forber. I played with him on the Kings and the flames. Yeah. Uh, so I get to re reunite with him as well, but, uh, but yeah, just, just the whole thing is, is something to look forward to. And, and, uh, I'm excited to share that with my family. Nice. Thanks. I know one of the questions that Clay has for you is going to kind of tie into the question here. And, and um, you know, that's what the world championship, but would you say like maybe going to Calgary um, kind of in a way was a, was a good thing for your career and you know, how much the fans embraced you there. I'm not saying the fans didn't embrace you in Edmonton, but I know that you talked about at the end of the year, the contract is heavy on you. And, but the fact that you were, you know, the player you were, the people that you brought in, um, you're probably one of the biggest personalities in the game. We'll get into that too. But, you know, talk about your time in Calgary and maybe what the Flames fans did, the organization, your teammates did, they're, did, um, you know, kind of giving you that maybe juice again that kind of tied into going playing for Team Canada too. Yeah, it was great. You know, uh, like you said, the fans were great. The city was great. The organization was great. Uh, you know, I can't, you know, say enough about the teammates that I had in Calgary. Uh, you know, they, they were all really awesome. I got along with all of them and, and, and we had a good time together with all the guys that we had together. Uh, but you know, yeah, it was, it, it was great. I mean, that transition to being a flame and, and, and the way it motivated me and all that type of stuff. I mean, anyone that came to a game, it was really funny. I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even touch the puck. I'd be going in on a four yeah. check and, and the fans would be, uh, be Loose. going Lou and all that type of stuff. But so, 
you know, they, they, they did really embrace me and, and, you know, I, I, I enjoyed that, you know, it was, it, it was a lot of fun and it, and it got me going again. And I think I was at a low point at one point when I was there, but you know, they, it, you know, that, like I said, the team and, and everyone kind of turned, turned me around. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good experience and I'm glad I got to experience it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's somewhere that I'm, I'm always going to be thankful for, uh, because I did experience a lot, uh, being a flame. Clay, I'll toss the puck over to you there, bud. Yeah, no, I mean, you, so you, you end the season in Calgary, obviously, you know, there's disappointment and whatnot, but, but then do you get the call for the world championships or, or how, how does that come about? And then speak about just the tournament itself and, <laughs> and then obviously winning. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Um, I, I actually reached out to Doug Armstrong and uh, the management team of team Canada uh, because really? I, ne- I'd never been, I, I'd never been before. And uh, yeah, once, once I found out that, uh, you know, Uyghur and, and to Foley were going to go, you know, I, so I was like, Oh, you know what? It, I think it'd be pretty cool to go as well. And um um, you know, I didn't really have much going on. Uh, and like I said, um, as you guys know, I'm a hockey guy, so it's something that I wanted to experience. And, you know, I still felt, you know, with the disappointment of the season, I still felt like I had juice left in the tank. You know, I, I still felt like, you know, I, I still wanted to play and, and do something and I wasn't ready to go into off season mode and to start working out. <laughs> you know, I wanted to, to continue <laughs> to play hockey yeah. and, uh, and yeah, so I reached out to to Doug Armstrong and Team Canada and to see if they had a spot for me. And you know what? It was honestly it was it, it was a great experience. You know, uh, Team Canada was first class with how they how they treated us as players and 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 how they treated our families when they came to join us. And uh, you know how they made that a whole experience. You know, we had a five day camp in Budapest. You know that was one of the reasons why I wanted to go as well. Not you know. Obviously, you're there to go play hockey, but it's cool to to see other cities and experience other things, you know, along with the hockey. So, you know, we got to have a five day training camp in Budapest. Then we were able to go to Riga, Latvia, and Riga itself is a is a really great city. You know, I, I recommend going to visit it if if no one's been. Uh, and yeah, you know what? Just being a part of a group where a lot of people called us maybe the worst <laughs> team Canada ever ex- assembled. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, yeah, so we uh, we came together as a team. You know, we became a pretty tight group. Everyone really enjoyed being around each other, and then you know we got better and better and better as the as the you know as the tournament went on, and and then when we went over to Finland for the championship games, you know we we just got better every game. So it's and obviously you know you know me talking about how great the experience was, obviously. Uh, you know, I could say that now because we did win and we won the gold medal. Yeah. So, uh, it's it, easy. It, it, yeah. Yeah. It's easy. And then, you know what, to, to be able to experience that, you know, now, and, you know, I go back to, you know, now that I have older kids and all that type of stuff. And, you know, when I won a Stanley cup, I didn't even have kids and, you know, you know, to a lot of people in North America, the world championships does, doesn't really mean a lot, but when you're in Europe and you see, what it means to those countries and those players. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. It's, it's pretty crazy. And, 
to them, it means more than the Stanley Cup. I mean, I'm sure you guys all saw, you know, with Latvia winning the bronze medal. I mean, the yeah. whole country shut down for it yeah. because it was such a big deal. And, you know, even being, you know, even even carrying the trophy through the Finnish airport in Helsinki, you know, people were going crazy for it. Like, I, I was like, I felt like I was carrying around the Stanley Cup. That's how crazy the people over there were going for it. And, and yeah, just to be able to to experience that and add that to the resume, I'm, I'm really thankful and, and grateful that I got to, to do that all. You played, so Adam Fantilli, I watched him in the draft and, and as guys are getting drafted, he's walking up and he, he's giving them a high five. He's, he's looks genuinely happy for the kids. What kind of kid is he? I mean, yeah, he's yeah. great, great, great kid. Really great kid. Yeah. Really great family. Um, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was pretty crazy to think about that. I was playing with a kid that's born in 2005, (laughs) but you know what? He's, he's, he's a, he's a really great talent. Uh, he's going to be a great player. There's a reason why he went third overall. Uh, it was cool to meet his parents. His parents were great. Uh, you know, I think I heard, I think I heard something that, you know, that because it's funny, his dad is a big time Bruins fan. And I know he's done interviews talking about uh, how he he watched me his whole his his whole life because you know his dad was a big big time Bruins fan, and I and I think I heard something that uh, when we play against him uh, the Bruins and the Columbus he's going to be pulling out his seventeen <laughs> Bruins jersey for that game. <laughs> he's going to awesome. put his Fantilli jersey on the shelf, which I think is pretty funny. But no, you know what? He's a great kid. He's a great guy, and and uh, he's going to be a really great player in the NHL. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, I got one last one. Are you getting seventeen in Boston? I think you. Probably, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Good. Yes. That's good. That's good. Okay, so we get into the kind of the fun stuff, Luch. Um, you know, obviously everything's fun, but um, one of the cool things I like, uh, you know, you love your heritage so much from your uh, your Serbian heritage. And also, as you know, there's a lot of great athletes around the world. And Joker just won the championship in the NBA. How cool is it to kind of follow some of these other athletes that uh, share this uh, the same country as you and your family? Yeah, uh, I think. Well, maybe right now it's kind of a peak for uh, for serving athletes athletes with how you know how Jokic is kind of taking over the NBA. Uh, and there's there's a lot of other great you know NBA players. Yeah, um, you know. Uh, that are from the Serbian uh, descent, and and then you have Djokovic doing what he's doing. So, so yeah, it's 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 pretty cool to see because you know it's it's not a big population, it's not a big country, uh, but yet we're still finding ways to be you know great athletes and and yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, it's it's for me, it's great because I have get bragging rights and. Yeah. Get to win a lot of bets, you know, betting against people because you know I always, I always now, now, now I catch myself being a Denver fan. Where all, all you know, you know, back in the day in the early two thousand, everyone was a Sacramento Kings fan because of Vladi Divac and and Pedro Stojakovic and, and stuff like that. And and obviously with like I said, with what Djokovic is doing with tennis over the last you know 10, 15 years, it's 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 pretty amazing. So like I said, I get I've been fortunate enough to. To, to win some bets because I'm, I've, I've been, you know, uh, I've been following those, those guys and uh, you know, it's cool to see them do more. I know Djokovic, uh, Djokovic plays 
you know, he's at Wimbledon right now, and we'll see if he just continues to add to the list as far as uh, his resume goes. Yeah, no, it'll be, it's, it's fun to see. And one of the other kind of funny things, I was, I was golfing with Matt Benning the other day, your former teammate in Edmonton, and he said that uh, there's many people that he's met in his life, but he doesn't know if he's met anyone that knows so much about other sports and about the NHL itself, but just the whole thing. He's like, this guy can name the last 25 Super Bowl <laughs> champions, winners or losers. Where does that like love come from with you, man? Because it seems like it's it's pretty cool that you got a you know, good uh, you know, repertoire and you got a good memory of like following these other sports and winning and losing and the data, the history and all that. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's just something that I've always been good at and remember, it's not like I, it's not like I sit behind a computer and study all these things. I just, you know, I just watch when it's on TV, especially when it's championship games. And, um, you know, honestly, the only thing I really look at is the score app, uh, to check up scores and, and, uh, keep up to date with all that type of stuff. Like, I'm not a guy that's like crazy on Twitter or, or any of that type of stuff. I just, yeah, I don't know. I just have a memory, I guess, when it comes to come to sports and yeah. to be honest, I wish, I wish I had that memory when it came to the school <laughs> because <laughs> I didn't do, because I wasn't great at like biology and, and social studies and, and all that type of stuff. I, I, you know, I wish I had that when I was in school, but to be honest, I don't know. I just always had a love for sports always love playing sports. I still play sports. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's just one of those things, I guess, that I've always had. And, you know, I've always been an outgoing vocal guy and, you know, I love, I love having conversations too. Like, you know, when I come to the rink, I'll be like, Hey, did you guys see this? Or did you guys see that? Uh, and, and just talking about it. So I guess that's where it all comes from. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, kind of get back a little bit of hockey here, going back to Boston and um, can you, we, we, when we had you on before and, you know, we had Cameron Hughes on and, you know, he played a little bit and then, you know, our, uh, Petro too, uh, was with the Providence Bruins, but the culture it has, cause it just says a lot to me. Like I know Tori's crew name came up in, you know, some trade talks about the draft. And the one thing he kind of was said that he would might, the only place he might go back to or want to go back to is Boston. And, um, you know, one of the cool things that, that I think in, you know, you know, Johnny Boychuk really well. And I was talking the other day too. And uh, he wants me to ask you a funny question. So I'll get to that in a second, but uh, <laughs> uh, just talk about like the, the cool, you know, what it means in Boston, the culture, like, why is it so good? Why is it a place that people want to go back to? Cause it also seems like maybe the Islanders are that kind of place too, but talk about Boston and the heritage, the, the history and why guys love just going back there. Well, I think, I think, I think it's more than just hockey. I think it's just, just being an athlete in Boston in general, whether it's the, you know, the Bruins or the Red Sox or the Celtics or Patriots. I think they, all of it, all of it just has a history and there's just something about, you know, being an athlete in Boston and, and, and what it means and, and, you know, the way that the fans and the people embrace you while you're, uh, you know, while you, while you are uh, an athlete in Boston and, and it's just something, like I said, it's, it's, it, all, all the teams have a history, you know, the Bruins, you know, their original 16 first professional team, you know, for, uh, in the, in America now the first team first, you know, the first team to hit a hundred years, it's their century season. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just something about it. And I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's the arena, it's the colors, it's, you know, wearing the, the spoke B and being a Bruin and all that type of stuff. And, 
you know, it's just, I, I guess it's, it's really hard to explain because, you know, uh, until you experience it, you don't really know how, how, how to explain it. And, you know, you gotta, you gotta remember like my generation that I was a part of, you know, I was a part of a, a team that was, you know, a part of, of a team that was, you know, where all the, all four teams were, were champions, you know, yeah. we experienced, yeah. you know, the Red Sox were winning the, the Celtics won the championship, the Patriots were winning championships and, and, you know, we won a championship. So the PE, a part of all that, you know, it's just something that's really cool. I know, I know all those fans are, are pretty spoiled that they got to experience what they've experienced in the last, you know, whatever, 20 years. Uh, but you know, like I said, it's just something that it's hard to explain, but you know, you just appreciate it so much. And, you know, it's just, uh, as an athlete, when you, when you dream of, of being a professional athlete, you know, like, and you get to do it on one of those teams in Boston, it's just, you know, it's just something you, you always dream of as a kid. And, and, and like I said, to, to be able to do it again is something that I'm really grateful for. And and I hope this time around it's, it's as good as it was last time. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm hoping to, so too for a little part, cause I'm a Leaf fan, Luch. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you've crashed my hopes many times, as a yeah. fan, but, uh, and uh, so we got Ryan, there's Ryan Reeves on the other side and, you know, there's some great tough, tough players that just kind of made their way back. Cause you were talking with John Scott at one, one couple of years, it's West and a couple of years it's out East, but um, you know, talk about like the personality in the game. Do you think the game can kind of, the NHL can grow up the personalities more? Cause like one of the cool things with you and, you know, good friends with Elliot Freeman. And one of the things him and I always talk about is your walk-ins and, you know, how cool they are. And, you know, I think that's kind of cool for the game, good personalities. I know you love them, but, you know, talk about like maybe how the game can grow the, grow the personalities. Cause you're one, you know, obviously Ryan Reeves is one. There's many in the game and even Marchant's one with when he wants to go on Twitter and have a little fun when he's bored, but how the talk about that a bit, if you can. Yeah. And you know what, with Marshy too, I think him winning the, uh, what's it, the, the, the TNT uh, guy of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Mr. TNT, you know what, but that's, but that's good. You know, like, uh, you know, they're doing interviews with guys as they're warming up and all that type of stuff. And for myself, I don't know. I was just, I was just messing around, having some fun and, and, you know, my wife, I got to give her the credit. She was the one that, you know, got me the jacket (laughs) and it was kind of like a Reggie Dunlop type of thing. And then, you know, and then it was actually a couple of the guys that were like, oh, you should do that with like a, like a mock neck or a turtleneck. And then I did that. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's just, it's just having some fun, you know, because, you know, what's it all for if you can't have some fun and, and, you know, there's, uh, like you guys said, you know, I I think there are some really good personalities. Uh, Could we see more of it? Probably. Yeah. you know, I, I think there are a lot of guys that, you know, have some good swag and have some good style in, in the league, uh, you know, can it be promoted more? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, like I said, with the whole Mr. TNT stuff, I think TNT has done a good job. I'm trying to, you know, you know, uh, bring out some personality in the game. Uh, so, you know, I, I think, I think it'll be something that's going to be talked about and probably, you know, pushed upon uh, more so moving forward. and. Uh, you know, we'll see, we'll, we'll see what direction it goes in. Yeah. 
so two more before we get you out of here. Um, you know, it's up in Halloween, man, Luch. I remember you and Manj posted the picture with Chris Catan and Will Farrell, and then I took, it, <laughs> I took it from your Twitter account, posted it on our podcast account, and Chris Catan liked it and shared it and all that. How kind of cool is that to kind of see him kind of support what you guys wore for Halloween? Like, that's kind of cool. I thought, so. Yeah, it was, it was cool. And you know what? Me and Manj, uh, you know, during COVID, uh, we hung out a lot because we lived close together. You know, we, we'd go to each other's houses and, and all that type of stuff. And a lot of the times we'd get bored and, and we would just put on Night at the Roxbury. Yeah. We watched it probably 15, 20 times. And then, you know, with the last Halloween party, uh, you know, we, we were Doug and Steve. So uh, it was pretty cool to see, pretty cool that it, that it got to him. And yeah, it was, it was, it was nice to be able, you know, to, to, to do that, uh, costume with, with, with Manch. Yeah. When I texted you and I was like, look at man, he said, he sent some back. Like, no way. Yeah, so, yeah, that was pretty cool. fun. So, uh, yeah. we'll finish up on this, uh, your best friend, uh, another brother. I know you got uh, two other brothers, but you have another brother and Johnny Boychuk. And he sent me a text. I was like, I got Luch coming on any funny questions. He goes, just ask him about the, with the times we had roomed together earlier on in this career. Oh, um, there's probably some pretty good stories. Maybe you got one good one before we get you <laughs> out of here. Cause the guy's a beauty and I'm happy what he's doing with Lou Lamorello now on the Island too. But anything about, uh, any funny stories? Yeah. You got, folks? Yeah, well, yeah, Johnny's great. Uh, you know, we were friends right from the first time we met each other and it was funny. So it was our first road game together. It was my, uh, it was my third year, his first year in Boston, and we ended up being roommates. And and a lot of people don't might not know, but Johnny's Johnny loves a nice practical joke. And oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, we're taking our pregame nap, and you know, I'm trying to be a good guy, I go to use the washroom, and you know, I'm being quiet and everything. And and as I'm walking back, Johnny hid between the beds, and then he jumps out in my face and goes, boo. And honestly, I almost, I almost like knocked him out because he scared the hell out of me. And that's just one of that's just Johnny being Johnny. Yeah. And then he gives out one of his little quirky laughs and goes <laughs> and all that type of stuff. And yeah, it was, it was one of those things that was kind of a, you know, me and Johnny being roommates that year was was such a great thing. Like like you said, we're we're still you know best friends, and and he's one of my brothers and all that type of stuff. But yeah, he got me with one of those practical jokes right off the get go before we really, really knew each other. And I guess that was a good way to break the ice, but yeah, he, yeah. uh, he's one of those practical jokers, even though I love a good joke. I'm, I'm not one of those guys that goes out of my way to, to get guys with practical jokes, but, but that was, that was what he did to me early on. And, and yeah, we've been really good friends ever since. That's awesome. It's a good way to end it. Uh, Luch, thanks for, uh, joining us on episode 200 here. Uh, got an interview with Lanny McDonald. that's going to be tagged to it too. And uh, I think Matt Benning's going to chime in a little bit, but uh, you know, thanks for, uh, you know, helping us out along the way and getting us some guests and just good conversations. And we love just posting about you, man, on the, on the podcast account, it gets the most amount of likes. So that's yeah. also said something about the great career you had and keep going and play. You have anything to add before we sign out? No, Milan um, to you and your family. Enjoy the rest of the summer. Try to get some downtime. And uh, all the best. Best of luck to you guys and Bruins coming up this year. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks Thank for having you. me on. Yeah. Cheers, yeah. buddy.
Muds fans, uh, I would say this is probably the biggest guest we've ever had for our uh, great Muds loyal fans here throughout the Two Muds podcast. We have a uh, retired NHL player from the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Colorado Rockies, and the Calgary Flames. He is the chairman of the Hockey Hall of Fame. He is in the Hockey Hall of Fame. He's played over 1,100 games. He's scored over 1,100 points. And we'd like to welcome Lenny McDonald to the Two Muds podcast. Lenny, how's it going? It is going great. It's great. Uh, even though you're like based in Edmonton, it is so good to talk to you because I know there's some secret Calgary Flames fans hanging out. So can't wait to do this. Yes. Yeah, we have uh, we have a few of them. We'll get to, to all that in a second here. And uh, Phil is just grinning ear to ear right now. And uh, any of our fans know Phil loves the Flames. But uh, we want to uh, obviously talk about our, our good friend, Mike Fuda, who helped set this interview up and uh, what an amazing person he is. Um, can you talk about Mike Fuda? Uh, I know you guys had the the great hockey day in Canada at Owen Sound. He told me uh, a great story that you uh, you do it at events is you leave your Hall of Fame ring, your Stanley Cup ring sitting there for kids to kind of take a look at. Uh, so he kind of told me a bit of a funny story today, but how important it is to kind of, you know, have that moment with him and and obviously the, a big tie that we're, you know, doing uh, amazing things for the Amazing Grace Foundation here too. Well, when he called the other day to say, would you consider doing this? Uh, absolutely, Mike. Uh, Mike and I have been friends for a few years through another uh, guy that uh, played on that 89 team, Colin Patterson. And when Mike asked if I would do it, I said, uh, absolutely. We had such a great time uh, at uh, Scotiabank Hockey Day in Canada uh, hanging out together. And and yes, that is true. I set my rings out for kids to try on, take pictures with. Uh, I do it, the same thing at banquets. And the, the longest they've ever been missing is four hours. And I even forgot I had given them out. And it was a banquet in Calgary for about 600 people and this gentleman's waiting on the side and I'm always the last guy to leave and I said can I help you sir and he said well you might want these back and it was my rings and I had totally forgotten that I had handed them out so yeah I definitely took that gentleman to the bar and bought him a beer for god's sakes Nice. Well, that's, that's awesome. And yeah, we, with Mike always being a part of our podcast, we've always donated to the Amazing Grace uh, Foundation. I know that uh, that means a lot to him. And, and uh, you know, the, the story is uh, very heartbreaking, but what um, the cause kind of does and the money that it goes to and helping others is very special. I don't know if you want to kind of talk about that a little bit before we kind of dive into your career here and whatnot. Uh, absolutely. Uh, we, we look uh, at it, uh, uh, you pay it forward, you pass it on. Uh, Mike's done an unbelievable job, and especially with the Amazing Grace uh, Foundation. Uh, he sent me pictures uh, uh, of uh, her and uh, the team in Los Angeles and talk about a heartbreaking uh, moment looking at the pictures. But at the same time, knowing that people like Mike are trying to help make a difference uh, for so many different people down the road. And I think that's all of our responsibility. And, and you feel so much better uh, 
not only about yourself, but uh, being involved in, and there are so many people less fortunate than ourselves. Yes, very well said, and that is true. And um, one of the uh, cool foundations we'll get to at the end, um, uh, but I'll, uh, I'll I'll leave that as a little tease and um, something that's going to be near and dear to your heart here in August, and uh, that's at the in Red Deer at the, the Child Advocacy Center, the Battle of Alberta, and all the yep. uh, foundation and um, and the alumni help out on that. But I'll toss the puck over to to Clay Vanderham here, Vandy. There you go, buddy. Take it away. Well. Can I call you Uncle Lanny? Oh, come on. Uh, it, it, like, how long How long have you been holding that one in? It, it, a long time, because you, you remind me of, of this, you're the typical Alberta boy making it and, and just doing so well. And, and, and it, every time I see you talk and your personality comes out whenever you speak. So um, first and foremost, I want to congratulate you and your wife, Ardell. 40, 48 years? 48 years today. Congratulations. Well, um, thank you. Um, Pretty cool. Yes. Yeah. Is. I mean, that and it's, I mean, forget everything else, but let's, I like to go back. I'm a minor hockey coach. I grew up coaching minor hockey. I coach my two boys now. And, and where did it all begin? Where, where did it begin for Lanny? Uh, you know, my my dad had this love of sport and love of hockey, and he instilled a love uh, of any sport into all four of us kids. And I was really lucky. I had a brother that was four years older, and he always let me play with with his friends, uh, and and especially at school. And he had two rules: if you can't keep up, you're out of the game. You're out of the game. And if you whine about anything, you're out of the game. So it was probably the best thing because I was playing with older kids all the time. And that actually helped me not only from a skating standpoint, but uh, when the big boys run over you at center ice, like you dust yourself off, you get back in the play. You don't uh, especially whine on the sidelines or I knew I was done for yeah. Now, did did uh, I know Dad was probably busy, but did he did he have any influence other than you know coaching wise, or were there any coaches that that had influence on you growing up? Or oh yeah, yeah. Dad Dad taught us all how to play the game. Uh, he was a stay at home defenseman with the Hand Hill Bronx. Uh, they played in the number nine highway league. And wow. it, it was so cool to be able to to uh, watch uh, uh, him not only play the game, he was captain of the, the team, and you could see uh, the love uh, affair he had with sport. Uh, he curled, uh, he played baseball, and, and he took over the family farm when he was 15 years old uh, because his dad sadly died of a heart attack on the farm and he was the oldest boy and had a grade eight education but that old boy was brilliant he had uh farm smarts and street smarts like you would not believe and he did everything that happened in the community he was uh, right in there uh, uh pitching in when other people uh, needed help and that helped kind of 
pave the way and and build a foundation for everything that I was doing later in life. So where you um you started in did you grow up in Hannah or was it Craig Mile? It, it was actually neither. It was neither. 11 miles straight south of uh, Craig Mile, 22 miles from Hannah. And when I started playing hockey at seven and a half years old, dad or mom would drive me in. Uh, and most of the time we were late because we were doing chores or milking cows or whatever. And I'd get dressed in the car on the way to uh, practice. And Lots of times I was late for practice and dad would dump me over the boards and away I'd go. And like loved every second of it, uh, couldn't get enough of it. And I had a coach uh, for seven straight years by the name of Ron Howery. And Ron, every time uh, we would move up, uh, buddy George McRae, uh, his dad owned the newspaper and George was a great player. And uh, we we ended up uh, going to uh, for a tryout with the Lethbridge Sugar Kings, and both of us made the team. And it was the coolest thing to to be able to grow up together, then play junior hockey uh, together. And yeah, I couldn't ask for uh, anything more. I remember a quick story when uh, when I made the team, I phoned uh, back because we were staying in the hotel. I phoned back and said, uh, Mom, uh, please tell Dad, because uh, uh, I had asked her where he was, and she said he's out in the field. And uh, I said, well, tell Dad I made the team, love you, uh, and I'm not coming home, and hung up the phone. Well, they were there in, in three and a half hours. And... <laughs> and Mom said, no, your education's more important. You're coming home. Uh, what do you think, uh, Lauren? And Dad said to me, uh, well, what do you want to do, Lenny? And I said, Dad, I love the game. Want to want to stay? And he said, you know what this means? And I said, I don't know. And he said, well, I'm turning the calves back out on the cows. <laughs> because I had to milk the cows uh, morning and night, five, five cows. So that was dad's way of saying yes. Well, mom didn't speak to him for two months after that. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and the Sugar Kings, that was ADHL, right? Alberta Junior Hockey League back in the day? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and played with John Davidson, and we still laugh about that today. At one time, uh, John Davidson was chairman of the selection committee at the Hockey Hall of Fame, and I was chairman of the hall. We're riding to the airport, and he pulls this picture out of the two of us from the Lethbridge Sugar Kings, and we started to laugh. Like, here's two old sodbusters uh, running the Hockey Hall of Fame. Unbelievable. I have family. We, I was actually just in Lethbridge and Tabor, Blyland, that area, um, this weekend. I still have lots of family down there. and The reason why I call you Uncle Lanny is... You remind me of my uncle Larry, that just you know the personality and you're just always happy and and jovial and and whatnot. But so after Lethbridge, I guess where I'm going. At what point do you kind of? I'm pretty good at this game. Other than having the nickname 
or or the middle name of King, which you're destined to be, you know, King Kong, <laughs> the Hall of Famer. But but at what you know when do you realize that you're yeah I'm pretty good at this. You know, that first year in Lethbridge, uh, I scored the first goal, and I think I scored the last goal, and I only scored one goal in between uh, in that first year. And uh, I had broken ribs. My landlady had to pull me out of bed in the morning because I couldn't roll over five broken ribs. And But I still loved the game. And then the next year, I tie uh, for... Uh, the scoring race and win the MVP of the Alberta Junior Hockey League. And at that point, I thought, okay, I I might have a chance here. And then going to Lethbridge, and I was center iceman at that time, uh, sorry, going to Medicine Hat, and Jack Shoup, uh, the coach, said, Lanny, uh, here's the deal. We got Tom Lysiak, we got Stan Weir, you're going to be the third center iceman have you ever thought of playing right wing? And I said, well, what are you thinking? I, and he said, play right wing with Tom Lysiak because you guys can be together for two years. I said, I'm in. And that was the best thing that ever happened. Uh, yeah. And I hated people when they when you took the face-offs and they wrecked my new tape job and I had to go back to the bench and retape my stick all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that too. I like the white tape. <laughs> so. Oh my God. And so I, I've got, we've got young listeners. My kids listen, um, Trevor, another, another co-host of ours. Their kids are 14, 15 years old. So you didn't have billets. How old were you when you were in Lethbridge medicine hat? Did you have billets or? Yep. Had had billets. I was 15 years old. Uh, stayed with the Saban family, and in Lethbridge, they had one son, uh, Doug. Uh, he was 15. Uh, the dad uh, worked at the Pilsner Brewery, and and every Friday would would come home with a case of beer. And if we played well. Maybe I shouldn't be saying this. If you played well, maybe you could have a half a beer on Friday night. Uh, that was our reward for working hard in school. And and uh, it was so much fun uh, growing up that way, loving the game and having people that treated you like their own son. And then to be drafted uh, uh, by uh, actually uh, Calgary, uh, they held my rights, but a guy by the name of John Sinkpeel was drafted to Medicine Hat, and they wanted to keep me in the Calgary organization, and they could either take uh, one player, not John Davidson, off of the Lethbridge uh, team or anyone else, and I was that anyone else, and you know, things happen for a reason. You end up going to Medicine Hat, the Tom Lysiak thing, the Jack Shoup, uh, who was a great coach for me. And uh, uh, you end up finding a way to make it all the way to uh, Toronto, the team I dreamed of playing for. Absolutely. Wow. It's just incredible. And then, I mean, staying in those small communities, helps as well you still got that at home feeling you're not in the big city or anything like that 
no, I think it was it was great. And there was such a great fan base, both in Lethbridge uh, and in Medicine Hat, uh, the Medicine Hat Tigers. Uh, and uh, how much fun was that? And at that time, it was a new arena and they had the double seats. And sometimes you didn't even sit with your own wife because she was one seat over, depending on how the seats were arranged. It was hilarious. And, and but it was so much fun. and. I worked at the Glen Sather Hockey School for uh, four years up in Banff. And he always told me, uh, if and when you make to the pros, it becomes a job. So enjoy junior hockey because that will be the best time of your life. And it not only certainly was, uh, I loved junior hockey and, and loved to be able to play in front of family and friends. And then met my dear wife, Ardell, in Medicine Hat. She was a figure skater and was always on the ice just before. So I might have kept an eye on her uh, every once in a while and finally got brave enough to ask her out. Good for you. Billy, I'll toss the puck over to you, buddy. I, I'm, I'm licking my chops at Calgary Flames stuff, so I'm going to actually let Bosco uh, talk to Lanny about Toronto, and then it's it's on with the Flames. So I'll, I'll let Bosco just intercept this go, pass yeah. here for a sec. Picky off of the point here, uh, Phil, but uh, uh, talk about your time in Toronto. Um, that's a team that's uh, near, like I, I'm a big Leaf fan and I'm a big Flame fan, so anyone that knows me knows that. I cheer for both teams and um, you know, amazing organizations, amazing people. And we were just talking about uh, another amazing person in Brad Tree Living taking over in Toronto. But your time in Toronto, how would you explain that? And how exciting was that for you uh, when you made it to the NHL and all the great players you got to play with in Toronto too? Oh, it was the time of my life. Uh, my dad and I used to listen to Foster Hewitt uh, on the radio, uh, like and you you closed your eyes and you thought you were in Maple Leaf Gardens. And I remember the first time uh, being there and a reporter, uh, it was before training camp started and a reporter by the name of John Iaboni uh, asked if he could do an interview. I was sitting in a dark arena and just the light was coming in through the, uh, through the uh, entrances. And I asked him, can you just wait 10 minutes? I just want to sit here and soak this in. And, and he said, oh, sure. So he moved way over another section over and got up. And we became great friends because he understood how much it meant to me just to be able to sit there and try and get a great feeling for Maple Leaf Gardens. And to be able to put on that, that jersey and and I walk in the dressing room and it's number seven. And right away, I think of Tim Horton and think, oh, my gosh, like, how cool is this? And, yeah, I struggled for two years uh, trying to find a way to, to I, like, I knew it was inside me. I just couldn't get it out and and get my confidence. And then in year three, things just took off. Surprise, surprise, that was the year I got married. And when you uh, share, uh, especially with the, my dear wife, Ardell, uh, like the high points and low points, and she can either 
pat you on the back or kick you in the butt and get you going. Yeah. Uh, it worked out unbelievable. And then to be able to play on the same line with uh, Daryl and half the time Tiger uh, Williams and half the time Errol Thompson. Uh, and Daryl and I are still best friends today. But today we don't talk about goals and assists. We talk about kids and grandkids. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Um, one of the things I don't think maybe we do enough here on the podcast and, um, you know, and, and we have to do it today cause it's the wedding anniversary, but how important, um, was your wife, uh, to your, to your career? Um, cause you know, when we look at hockey players, um, that's a big part of their career and maybe they don't get enough recognition as possible as, as, as is, but, uh, talk about the, what she's done for you, um, throughout your career and even after after your career with the people you helped, the people you guys cared for, the people you guys love along the way in your life? Well, without family, you have nothing. And uh, we have four kids, two girls, two boys, uh, eight grandkids. We spend all of our time together. Everyone thinks we're crazy, uh, but we love hanging out together. And we have so much fun together. And Ardell is such a huge part of that and you're absolutely right they don't get enough credit and especially when you get traded uh in the middle of a season they're left behind you jump on a plane and take off and you automatically uh you'd like to think you automatically have 20 friends when you walk into the dressing room but they're left packing up things trying to look after the kids uh, and then trying to get on a plane to come and join you. Um, and people don't realize how tough that uh, is sometimes, uh, but I could not have done that without this whole thing without her. Uh, all of our kids understand Special Olympics, Children's Hospital, Ronald McDonald House. They know how important it is uh, to me and it's become a part of their lives as well. Uh, that's so beautiful. It's uh, one of the things I always hear about you is the heart you have for others and that heart that um, opens up to many other people and uh, you know, so much they can learn from uh, a great person like you, your wife, your kids. Um, I, I, I'm kind of speechless. Like it's, it, it's amazing um, to have you on. And uh, this is episode 200 for us. I don't think we ever thought it, Hey, it's your anniversary. It is our anniversary too. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, um, so yeah, it's it kind of just all pretty coincides together. And uh, I'm a believer of faith, and I think God makes it makes magic work a lot. And it's kind of a cool little thing that you know God was able to give us an awesome opportunity to interview you. And uh, another good question before I toss toss it over to Phil that I like to know is. Uh, um, it's a kind of a two part. Who was your mentor in Toronto and who did you mentor, uh, along the way in Toronto as well, before you, uh, went out to Colorado and then further with the Calgary Flames? So the guy that, that, uh, really helped me was Ronnie Ellis, uh, who was a right winger and he took me under his wing right away. And I said, Ronnie, if at some point I'm going to like end up taking your job, and he said, no, that's good. That's what we do. Like, you need to uh, do the same thing that I'm trying to help you with uh, later in your career. 
And he was absolutely right. And Daryl Sittler was the other guy that uh, we spent all of our time together. Ardell and Wendy, his wife, were best friends uh, back then. And and, uh, it it's so much fun when you have close friends and especially teammates that you can rely on and uh, maybe get your head out of your butt like come on we got some work to do here let's let's uh, roll up our sleeves and get it done uh and he was one of those guys that wasn't afraid to tell teammates hey listen this this is the way it is this is what we got to do and I love playing with a guy. A very funny story. Uh, I get a call from his daughter the other day, and I hope Freddie's not listening to this, but uh, Freddie, uh, Daryl's grandson, has been, a, and they live in Toronto, has been a, a fun and, and a big fan of this old guy. And we go to visit him when we're in Toronto. And all he wanted for his birthday come up in 10 days is a Lanny McDonald jersey, not a Daryl Siddler jury jersey. <laughs> so I can't wait for for the birthday and Daryl opens it up or uh, Freddie opens it up and Daryl's there and it's going to be a Lanny jersey, not a Daryl jersey. Yes, I got him. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's so beautiful. Um, I guess one more, and it, it would be remiss not to ask. We saw the 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 great tribute for Boreas Salming, and and you were there for it in Toronto, and and um, we uh, we lost him shortly after. But uh, um, how important do you think that was for him, for you guys, and for the hockey community for him to get that that send off, that standing ovation, and what a powerful night that was for you guys. Well, it it was a powerful weekend for all of us, but especially Boria and his entire family. And I, I thank Larry Tannenbaum uh, and the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, in person because they stepped up and brought his entire family over, uh, put them up in in uh, the hotel in Toronto. Uh, everything was first class. And even for Boria's family to understand how he was revered and looked up to by the rest of the hockey world, I don't think they had any clue uh, how good the and and how much love uh, everyone uh, poured out towards Boria. I was not surprised when he passed away shortly after. I saw him the day after the Hall of Fame inductions, which. Sadly, he was too weak to get to, but went back to Sweden uh, the day after. And I saw him for about an hour and a half, and he was absolutely exhausted. And I I hugged him, and we cried together on, on the way out the door, uh, believing that I just hoped he could get home safely. Uh, he did. He was honored as... Uh, the top defenseman of all time with Lind- Lindstrom uh, at the 100th anniversary of Swedish hockey, uh, which was such a huge honor, and then two days later passed away. Uh, but the tributes uh, for him and his family were absolutely fantastic and so well-deserved. 
yeah, it's, uh, it's one thing we love about the game is the recognition we, uh, that we hand out to those, um, that do so much for, uh, for our enjoyment on our couches in the stands, uh, all that. It's, uh, it's quite, quite the thing to see. Bill, I'm going to toss the puck over to you, my friend, the diehard flames fan with uh, the legend, Lanny McDonald. Now. Well, first of all, uh, hearing you were coming on, I t- pay homage to you. I, I shaved a little mustache here. Oh. So I want your honest assessment. What do, what do you think no. of it? The first mustache I've ever had in my life. And just, just for you today. No, it like, sir, can you go a little more into the light? I can't quite. Oh, there. Oh, it yeah. is there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, you can throw a little fertilizer on that. And <laughs> like in 10, 10 years time, you'll be right there. There. All right. I, I just needed some advice from you. So um, we'll, we'll definitely do that. And, uh, you know, just another quick thing to speak to speak to your character, Lanny. Uh, I was I was fortunate enough. I got to meet you with my with my two little boys and my wife in, in St. Albert at Craft Hockeyville. And, yep. um, you know, the lineup behind us was huge. And, you know, that was just an afterthought to you. I just really appreciated the time you spent with us. And, uh, you know, the lineup behind us didn't mean a thing to you. You just gave us your full attention and didn't rush us along. And you would, I think you would have chatted to me for an hour because we were talking <laughs> flames here in St. Albert, Edmonton area. So that doesn't I just, happen thank very you often. For that. I know, <laughs> no, I know. And, you know, living here in enemy territory, like when I get a chance to talk flames to somebody, like I'm taking it. So, well, um, good, good for you. Keep that up. And, <laughs> That was so much fun uh, being in St. Albert. Uh, what a what a great event and great great time uh, for hockey fans. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and so yeah, thank you for that. And uh, but we'll move to the to the Calgary Flames. Unless you got something to say about the Colorado Rockies. Uh, you know what? Uh, Don Cherry was the coach uh, for for <laughs> that first year I was there, and it, I. I think Don would be. How was Graves as a coach? Oh, you know what? Graves was not a great coach. He, he was. He, there was not a whole lot of X and O's. It was all about uh, hard work, determination, yeah. being physical, uh, and bring your best game uh, every night. And yeah. he was a great motivator, and I loved playing for him. And some guys uh, might not have liked how. It, Grapes rubbed him the wrong way. A very quick story about grapes. Uh, grapes had the dog Blue. And and Blue sat right outside his office. And we would go into the dressing room, turn left, and Grapes' office was on the right. And Blue sat right at the, the turn. And you knew you had to walk in slowly. And this reporter uh, from New York the day of a game comes racing in. He's trying to get his story, races around the corner. Blue gets up, grabs him by the back of the, the pants, shaking the poor guy all over the place. The guy is trying to kick, get the dog off him. We're yelling for grapes. And finally he goes down in a heap. Grapes comes in and we're yelling, grapes, help the guy, help the guy. He said, guys, see that? That's how I want you to tonight. Hungry, just like blue. <laughs> that, that was his team speech. That was it. That's all we needed That's right there. 
that could be that could be the greatest story in two months history right there i think oh my god (laughs) it was it was i could tell you a hundred great stories but we probably don't have that much time but yeah yeah i i love playing for him uh i'm going to never but odell's gonna want you to take take her out for dinner though oh we're all good uh i would have I was so sad when Grapes got fired at the end of that year. Uh, it was a it was a contest between him and Ray Muron, the general manager, and Ray Muron got fired halfway through the next year uh, anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, I would have played for him forever. But better things happen in Calgary. Yes, exactly. There you go. So you get so you, so you get traded to Calgary. Um, so so how did that feel? Did it feel like I'm coming home? Was it like a definitely like a homecoming? Like were you relieved to to be getting out of Colorado? How did that feel? No, it. Whenever you get traded, your first feeling is, oh my gosh, they don't want me anymore. And uh, then you realize, oh well, hold it, like. That's that's even a better team. We're in last place in Colorado. When you're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs at the end of October, it's hard to get up for the rest of the year. And and I, I remember uh, people like uh, Rob Ramage and Joel Quenville and and uh, Steve Tambellini grabbed me when I got traded and said, "Lenny, get on the plane." Like we had just landed in Winnipeg when I got told. I was going back to Calgary and right away you're thinking, Oh man, they gave up on me. But then you realize the other team uh, maybe wants you. And I was actually worried coming back so close to family and friends. Like, was I going to like be well uh, received? And they were trading away two very popular guys in Bobby McMillan and Don Lever. Uh, and um, the way that it worked out, coming to Calgary and eventually becoming captain and uh, finding a way to, first of all, beat the Oilers, and secondly, uh, lose to Montreal and thinking you're going right back the next year, and it takes you three more years to get back, and thank goodness we finally won it against that same Montreal team uh, three years later. Yeah, like I like and just just looking at your stats, like when you got to Calgary, like in 82, 83, like 66 goals, like what happened that season? And for the young viewers, my kids, Trevor's kids, Brody's kids included, you, Lanny was running with Wayne that that year. That was so much fun. I bet. Uh, yeah. And we went to the all-star game that year uh, and we both had four, uh, one game left and I'll never forget it. Uh, he scores two goals the night before to go to 44 and I'm at 42. Now, and, are you thinking as an individual, are you thinking I, Oh, okay. He got two. I got to get two tonight. Or, you know, it, it, no, it was actually my teammates were driving me crazy. Like, come on, Lanny, like Wayne got two last night. Like, what are you going to do? And I think I had, and they would have open nets. They'd pass me the puck. Like, no, we got to get three goals. 
And I actually scored three goals against Pittsburgh that night to go to the all-star game, him with 44 and me with 45. It was like, wow, this is pretty cool. Uh, and, but I, I wouldn't have scored one that night unless my teammates were so unselfish. And that's what the greatest part about this game is. And for all young kids listening, like enjoy your friendships because they last a lifetime uh, playing this game. Uh, and you, whether you make it to the pros or you play senior hockey or pickup hockey after, those are some of those people, uh, boys and girls that you're playing against, are going to be your best friends for the rest of your life. Very, very true. Yeah, so true. And and I and I yeah, I tell my my boys that all the time. I'm sure Clay, you tell your kids the same thing, right? So, such such solid advice, Lanny, for sure. Uh, so let's go to eighty five, eighty six. Stanley Cup, we lose it. How how are you feeling after that? Like, are you feeling like that could have been my last chance? Uh, ab- absolutely. Uh, wow. But you still look around the dressing room and think, well, that really sucks. But, hey, we, we've got the makings of a great team here. We're going to go right back next year. And right back next year took three more years. You lose to Winnipeg, you lose to Edmonton. And uh, even in 89, uh, we could have easily lost to uh, to Vancouver. Right. If Mike Vernon doesn't stand on his head in overtime in game seven, or we would have been absolutely like on the sidelines. It, it could have been devastating. And even though El McGinnis won the, the con smite that year, uh, Mike Vernon probably could have won it or been co-winner uh, that year as well. And he went on to win it in uh, the con Smythe uh, with Detroit a few years later. It tells you what a great goalie he was uh, being only, and Michael never admitted, maybe 5'7". Uh, he tells everyone 5'10". Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get to Mike Vernon uh, in a little bit here, but yeah, so so lose it in in '86, and then let's talk about '89. Then now let's get right to the right to what everybody's here for. So uh, you're in and out of the lineup in the finals, right? How how Im- how like how are you feeling about going into that game? Like 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 was Crispy pretty pretty clear with you that okay when we start getting close you're getting back in there or was he like unsure or like are you guys unsure? Like how does that work? How did you guys decide who's playing? We had extra guys. There was probably five different players in and out of the lineup: Yuri Herdina, Tim Hunter, Jim Poplinski. Uh, I think Mark Hunter sat out uh, a couple of games and obviously myself, uh, you, you don't find out till after warm up. Am I going? Am I not? And you, you, you're obviously devastated that you're not in the lineup because you always believe you can make a difference. And it's interesting in hockey when you first start, you're fighting for ice time, then in the middle, you become a star. 
uh, or you'd like to think you were a star. And then at the end, you're back fighting for ice time. And it's a part of, of sport uh, that sometimes is much harder for other people. Uh, I still believed I could contribute when uh, they, they told me the news in game six that I was playing because I didn't play game three, four, or five. Um, and I, at that time, I had no idea who else was either in the lineup or out of the lineup. And that's why it was so important after the game when the Stanley Cup was handed to me that the other two assistants, Jim Poplinski and Timmy Hunter, were back on the ice, and I called them to accept the cup with me. Um, and uh, I'm sure they would have done the same thing if I was the guy on the on the sidelines. And to be able to play in that game, game six, we didn't want to go to game seven because we knew Patrick Waugh uh, was there. And Mike Vernon at that point had probably outplayed Patrick. And we go into game six. Uh, uh, it's a close game. Uh, it's 1-1. And I take a dumb penalty. Uh, I missed a scoring chance and try and get the puck back, hook uh, Bobby Smith along the boards. I'm in the penalty box uh, being a good Catholic boy saying uh, 400 Hail Marys, uh, <laughs> praying they don't score. Come out of the penalty box and uh, Jamie McCowan uh, still accuses me. It should have been his goal because I jumped in front of him on the rush. And he passes it up to middle. Uh, Hawk and Lube carries it over the blue line, throws it over to Newendike, and Newendike whips it all the way back across in one motion through Chelios's stick in his skates uh, right onto my stick. And we knew if Patrick Walk came from side to side, you had to go top shelf. And when that baby went in, all I wanted, like, blow the whistle. End the game, like, let's go home. Well, then your we childhood had to, dream, right? Oh my gosh. We had a, yeah. we had another period and a half to play. And fortunately, we found a way. Dougie Gilmore scored uh, the third goal and the empty net goal uh, to, to uh, solve it. I, I can, if you ever get a chance to watch the, the final two minutes. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, I have. Yeah. So, I'm standing on the bench with Joe Newendike and Gary Roberts. We're holding hands. We're all good Catholic boys. And we're laughing at each other, crying. And when Gilmore scores, we're hugging each other uh, and back to saying Hail Mary's. Uh, and then over the boards we go. It was unbelievable. Yeah, and we we were fortunate. We had Dougie Gilmore on this year too, and and I asked him. I says, "When you put that empty netter in, did you know it was over?" And he says, "No." He and he <laughs> said the weird thing was, is he said he said Montreal never pulled their goalie. So he no. It, it, so it was it was crazy. Uh, they just had a belief that they could win, and no one ever had won on form ice. So. I think they were in some ways kind of stunned that we actually were finding a way to get it done. Yeah. So what's the, what's going through your mind when Dougie puts that empty netter in, are you feeling it's over? Or are you like they could come back? 
we're cautioning each other. Like we're we're settled down, hey. overjoyed, but still like this is the Montreal Canadiens and this is the forum. And I gotta say, it, when it finally ended, and the fans were unbelievable. They had never seen. Think about it. They had never seen another team win in, on form ice. And they stayed and clapped and cheered that it was a great series. And I yeah. have always appreciated that and tried to let the Montreal fans know how much it meant to our team that the building wasn't empty. Uh, they all stayed to, uh, to watch the celebration. That's awesome. And, and so did you know at that point, like, like you, you see the picture behind me, you see the picture behind Clay at, at that point, were you like, I'm done, my career is over, and this is the storybook ending it deserves? You know, I always believed that John Beliveau, uh, in I think it was 71 when he retired and they won the cup, that he could have played three or four more years. And I thought, Wow, what a way to go. And to be able to walk away from the game after 16 years, uh, scoring 500 goals. Uh, and by the way, they call it the 500 club. Why do people waste time and get 502 or 503? Yeah. Uh, it's the 500 club. So I should be <laughs> a natural star for that one. <laughs> there you go. No, that's amazing. And, and and what a what a cap to your career. And, you know, uh, and, and thank you for winning that cup as a Flames fan here or else, you know, I'd never hear the end of it from all these Oiler fans. Uh, you know, well, thank, at least thank we have goodness one. for both of us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so you mentioned Mike Vernon uh, standing yeah. on his head and you just recently were able to make a really special call to him. How was that? Mike thought I was calling about a golf game, and and, and I said uh, it, he calls me Lars, like Colin Patterson started. It. It's not what they used to call me, Larry. Uh, it got shortened to Lars. And hey, Lars, what's up? And I said, well, uh, just calling to see how you're doing. And and he said, well, like what's going on there? Are we playing golf or what? And I said, no, Mike, this is the reason I'm calling. Wow. Wow. Holy shit. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and he did that about 10 times. And he just, as much as you want it, you don't believe it until it actually happens. Correct. And yeah. I, I talked to him again uh, the next day and it, he was so thankful, uh, so appreciative um, that it had finally uh, happened. Well, when well deserved, you look at, right? yeah, when you look at his career, he's in the top ten of every category. Yeah. Uh, won two Stanley Cups, uh, won the Conn Smythe, and could have probably won two. Uh, so richly deserved uh, to be the one of the newest members in the hockey hall of fame such a great story uh, i just i just want to quickly talk to you about the current state of the calgary flames too 
Um, yep. You know, there's there's so much going on about, you know, players don't want to play in Calgary and the American players are leaving because they don't want to be in Calgary. What do you have to say to that? What do you have to say to, to people who think Calgary is not a great place to play? Well, uh, I have to go all the way back to 89 and to have in our alumni 154 uh, NHL players either live in the city or just outside, and nine guys from the Stanley Cup team live in the city. And there was so much happened in the last couple of years, uh, a little bit of controversial uh, decisions uh, coaching-wise uh, that probably helped uh, uh, players um, make up their minds uh, like Johnny Goudreau didn't want to play there uh, even though he told everyone he loved playing for Daryl he goes to Columbus and as soon as he goes Matthew Kachuk decides I'm out of here because they were kind of the top two players I thought Brad Trey Living should have got general manager of the year for just the trade he made uh, for Matthew Kachuk in getting Huberdeau. And yes, Huberdeau had a tough year. But when you've played with uh, Barkov as long as he did uh, in in uh, the Panthers organization and uh, Uyghur, and Uyghur, in my opinion, is the next Rasmus Anderson, he is he is playing at the top of his game right now. He's probably found his game uh, ahead of where uh, Huberdeau is. Huberdeau will be a much better uh, player next year. I know he had some challenges uh, with Daryl, and he's a proud guy, and he'll want to be uh, even better. Um, and I think... Finding a way to uh, get both Backland uh, re-signed uh, and uh, and uh, Lindholm, uh, that will be the key. But to also uh, to also uh, stock up on defense, uh, having uh, uh, Schillinger come back uh, after a year uh, off. Uh, uh, and staying in Sweden uh, will be a big boost to the defense. And if you have to trade Hannafin, uh, then you do it, but on your own terms, not on his terms. Right. Yeah, and Craig Button just told us the same thing when he was on too. You know, you, you know, that's that's fine. You want to trade, but it's going to be on my terms, right? So absolutely. Um, and- yeah, and so so, and then Jerome McGinley back in the organization. How do you feel love about it. that? Uh, love it. Uh, any guy that scores 500 goals uh, in one organization and is loved and admired for not only what he he did on the ice, but how he treated people off of the ice um, yeah. was absolutely wonderful. And to have him back, uh, being kind of Connie's eyes and ears and when i say connie uh uh craig conroy and i think that'll be a a great one-two punch uh they added dave nonas because he had experience in both vancouver and toronto so that'll be a a good fit and you know what i think 
we will be absolutely uh, fine. Uh, I really like Ryan uh, Huska, the the new coach. Uh, he's a lifer, and he's surrounding himself with good people. And yeah, it'll be a fresh start for a whole lot of people. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and it's 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 it was almost like a silver lining for Flames fans seeing Jerome come back for sure this season. You know, it was just it kind of seemed like bad news after bad news after bad news, and then you know Craig Connery gets hired, Jerome McGinley's back, and you know it's it's almost like a comforting thing, right? So well, it it really is, and like I said before, what a class act, um, and I texted him as as soon as. Uh, uh, the announcement was made, uh, said, can't wait to uh, either take you out for lunch or uh, buy you a coffee or a beer. And awesome. he said, can't wait myself. Uh, look forward to seeing you. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, we got to, I got to meet him uh, here at the, at the John Reed Memorial Tournament in, in St. Albert. And uh, we asked him if he wanted to do an interview. And that was the most polite way of, denying the interview and all respect him on not wanting to do one, but just a stand-up person and, uh, you know, a stand-up uh, individual. And and that goes from his whole entire family. Everyone's like that in his family. So, Well, and, and he's, he's having a great time uh, coaching his kids and watching his kids grow up. Uh, and I think it's a great way to get him, uh, oriented into the organization without having to be there uh, each and every day. Yeah. Uh, so he can enjoy his kids and family uh, while still being a part of it. Yeah, exactly. Phil, do you have anything else or? Uh, I just have a, I have a couple of fan questions. Uh, we, yeah, we asked our Mutz fans it. if they, if they had any questions. So I got a couple. So um Paul asks, he says, what was your favorite rink to play in and why? Uh, bar none, uh, Montreal Forum. Not only because we won there, but the, I was actually at the the closing of the forum, and I was standing on the ice, I think, for an hour and a half while they introduced all their Hall of Famers. And it was the ovations got louder and louder. And when Belleville come out and, and uh, Richard come out, uh, uh, it was crazy. Boom, boom, Jeffrey on, uh, like Ganey, Robinson, that list went on and on. So that was my all-time favorite rink. But I was lucky enough to play in all six of the original uh, uh, rinks, uh, the Rangers, the Boston, Detroit, uh, and scary buildings to play in if you're the opposition. Uh, but so much fun uh, going to Chicago uh, in downtown uh, Chicago. Uh, that was a treat and a half, uh, let me tell you. But best fight I ever saw uh, was uh, in the stands in Chicago. It took up a whole section, and they had to turn out all the lights and bring the police in from outside to break up the fights when it was completely dark. And the game was held up for like 20 minutes while they got order restored and then dropped the puck again. Oh, that's good. Uh, so Paul also asked, uh, do you like uh, the NHL rule changes uh, that are in effect now as opposed to when you played? Why or why not? 
Uh, you know what? The game is evolving and changing. Uh, like I, I wasn't sure if I'd even like uh, where they eliminated the red line, but the speed of the game and the size uh, of the players and the actual skill level of the players at this point is phenomenal. They're they're uh, probably on average. Uh, two to three inches taller. Like you look at the goaltenders, uh, if you're not six foot six, poor Mike Vernon would have never even got a start uh, <laughs> at that point. Uh, but goaltenders are absolutely massive. Defense uh, and and the forward skill level. You In the old days, my days, um, you had four or five guys that could really shoot the puck. And nowadays, every guy can shoot the puck. They've got howitzers. And yes, the equipment is better, but they're just better players and better skill uh, all the way through. Okay, I got two more for you. Okay. Um, my, I got my brother, Tim, wants to know uh, your favorite person to notify that they were making the haul. Well, that would be... Uh, bar none, uh, Rogi Vashon, who waited 37 years to get that call. And when you think about uh, Rogi uh, winning two cups in Montreal, going, going, to, uh, uh, going to L.A., and as good as, as, good as uh, the, the big line of Marcel Dion, Dave Taylor, uh, and Charlie Simmer were, it was really Rogi that really established being there in in uh, the LA area. And that's the biggest reason why San Jose and Anaheim are now in the league. Good, perfect answer. And then uh, my brothers are Oilers fans, unfortunately. So my other brother, Rob, wants to know, how scary was it playing against the Oilers in their heyday? They were as afraid of us as we were of them. Not a boy. That's what I (laughs) like to hear. (laughs) You you know, the the funniest part was you could walk into the building uh, in the old Coliseum in, in Edmonton, and you would walk by each other, would not even look at each other, like didn't even make eye contact. Uh, and even after the game, like nothing. Uh, sometimes you'd meet up at a charity event in the summer and you'd cordially, oh, hi, how's it going? Uh, say hello. But other than that, there was no contact whatsoever. And the nature just got bad, eh? Oh, it was awesome. Like, strap them on, boys, because here we go. Uh, game on. Yeah. I love it. Nice. That's so awesome. What a great question. Yeah, that's it. That's it for me. We're going to I'm gonna pass the puck here over to, to Bosco to, to bring us home here for the for some really important stuff here. So, um, so Lenny, uh, thanks for your time. Obviously, we went over a bit here, but uh, just one oh, final, good. one final, uh, a comment from you, obviously, uh, August uh, 8th and 9th in Red Deer, uh, the Central Alberta Child Advocacy Center uh, golf tournament. Uh, the Battle of Alberta is back on. We had Ron on not too long, okay, Ron McLean, and he's going to be the uh, MC of the event. Uh, um, you know, with COVID, we've we've lost uh, the chance of having these, but now that uh, things are somewhat back to normal and 
um, we're having the opportunity to have these events again. And I know that you've been a part of them in the past, but, uh, you know, can you speak of what that, uh, that golf tournament means? And, and you touched about the flames alumni earlier and, and how, uh, how awesome it is and, and the events because the central Alberta child advocacy center is very near and dear to our hearts here at the two months podcast, uh, as we help out with donations, um, with them and we love what they do and and it's important to have something like that in our community and as brent sutter said earlier it's unfortunately we have that in our community but it's important that we do for the for the need that the kids that the support that the kids need but your thoughts on the tournament well that the tournament and the organizers are absolutely phenomenal um it, it's so much fun uh, now that our playing days are over to come together uh, as teammates a different kind of teammates uh, trying to make a difference in other people's lives. And Curtis Glencross, who is a big part of Red Deer and uh, the Child Advocacy Center, as well as uh, as Sheldon Kennedy uh, in Calgary, have done such great work uh, in, in getting the word out there, uh, trying to uh, not only be responsible, but encourage other people to to get into the game, get off the sidelines into the game, and get the building finished. Uh, and and because the need is so great uh, and so important, and to be able to do that, uh, uh, and Red Deer is so special. Uh, we kid each other all the time. Do you live on the north side? Uh, of the river or the south side. Uh, and then you got Phil, who lives all the way up uh, in Edmonton, and he even braves the storm and wears uh, uh, oil, uh, wears flames gear. Uh, but 100%. Yeah, Red Deer is a very special uh, community, and they raise a ton of money. Uh, I'm sure they're going to go over a million again this year, uh, and can't wait to be a part of it. That's that's uh, very well said and a great way to end uh, an amazing interview with an amazing person and uh, uh, something we live by a quote is make a difference, not just a living. And uh, that that was said very a lot uh, during this interview. And uh, thanks for uh, making a difference in all of our lives, Lenny, and uh, all the best to you, your beautiful wife, your beautiful family. And uh, cheers to, uh, to keep going here, man. Uh, thank you so well, much. Well, I thank you guys very much. And don't hesitate. You've got my number. Call yep. uh, anytime. And I'll look forward to uh, coming back on the show when the first Euler Flames game happens and Oilers go down. Yeah, exactly. yeah let's go. <laughs> are, you gonna, go. are you coming up for the Heritage Classic, Lanny? Oh, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. I gotta get I gotta get through the Battle of Alberta first, and yeah. then we'll worry about that next. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Uh, thanks, Lenny and uh, Phil. Uh, Clay, do you guys want to add anything and say any comments before we sign out? To Lenny here, any final? No, questions? I mean um, the the big boys did their work in the states, but growing up in in Alberta and watching the Battle of Alberta as a ten. 11, 12, 13 year old. Um, and, and then watching you, you've been an ambassador for the game of hockey for, for Canada since I was a kid. And that's my own opinion. And this I'm in awe right now, but, but thank you. And go and enjoy a nice dinner 
grab a red wine and 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 you you and Ardell best wishes to both of you. Well, thank family. thank you very much, uh, guys. You take care. Have a great yeah. rest of the summer. Look forward to talking again. Thank you. Buds fans, wow, what a pod. What a pod that was. Um, what a great, uh, great guest list that I think we put together for our amazing fans and our sponsors and the people who have been loyal to us and those people that joined us. Uh, I cannot say enough uh, for everyone. That was, a, that was a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun. Um, I definitely stick taps to our producer, Cam Stewart, who uh, spent a lot yeah, of hours on this. So, Cam, sorry for, uh, for all that. But hope, I don't think you had to take out too much, but putting everything together is quite the, uh, quite the thing over a two-week period of all these interviews. And um, I know it's a risk to take uh, all these great interviews and put them all together, but... Uh, Andy, um, thoughts on kind of, you know, what you heard and all these great interviews and the, the fun that it was too. Well, I mean, I, I've had the privilege of you asking me onto this pod, you know, whatever it was, 2020, 2019, whenever we joined up. And yeah, it was 2020, man. That I never thought I'd be able, yeah, I never thought I'd be able to talk to the people that, that, uh, you know, when, get the guests and you know you did it kind of it, it's unbelievable and then the support that that our local calm buddies give give to us matt uh feds chimera you know luch all those guys it's and then to get a legend in lanny <laughs> and to talk to him and you know, it, uh, it went on for two hours, that conversation, <laughs> maybe three. Just yeah, and here's the thing. He he had people at his house. Yes. He was yeah. hosting people at his house, and he would have rather talked to us than not, you know, he just, he could have sat there for three hours. That wedding anniversary, people at his house, former oh friend of the pond. Yeah, yeah. So, and so, then, yeah, you'll hear me, you know, pipe into the middle of the conversation. And I apologize to Chimmer. Um, I I had had a few red wines with parents off our inline team, and we were having kind of a came in hot. Off. You came in hot, Mandy. I, I, I did come in hot. I did come in hot, Philly. I did, and and I apologize. Uh, not. For my actions, but I it's entertainment. For, it's entertainment. I know, I know, but I apologize for being ignorant to the facts. So, um, but you know what? Like I said earlier, congratulations to us, to our guests, and and I think you know you'll you heard Matt uh, talk about it. Uh, we're genuine, I think. Yeah, I like using that. Yeah, term. And, and Fids too. Fids said that yeah. too, right? Fids said like. He wouldn't go on any other podcast. He said we're class act. And, you know, I, I, I think we can say the same about our guests too, right? Yeah. 100%. Yep. Well said. Yeah, well said. Uh, Phil, yeah. your thoughts? Yeah, like same thing. Like I know I've, I've, I'm kind of the, the last guy in here on this, uh, out of this core group of guys here. But, you know, to, to, for my first interview to be Doug Gilmore, like that's a that's a pretty huge step. And I remember the I remember the 
sleepless night before that interview thinking like what am i doing like what am i gonna ask him what am i gonna say and even like you think you 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 listen back to that interview and you're like oh my gosh it's like so cringy hearing myself ask doug gilmore these questions and every other word is like and um and yeah so and it's it's in then to parameters right yeah yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And we do this as a hobby on the side and and it's yeah. it's been a blast and it's like I have conversations um, at like parties with people and they can't believe our guest list and and who we have. Like we had Darren Dreger on and he said like our guest list is unreal. Like like Darren Dreger saying our guest list is unreal. Like it must be pretty good, hey. So, yeah. and then to like cap it off with like Lanny McDonald in this interview, and I know I wasn't able to be on the Luch interview, but like like Fids and Chimera, like such such good people, and and even like Benning today, and I know I mentioned it in like the interview with him, just like like how good he is with with the with the kids and the fans and. You know, it just, and then like you said, right? Like it, it comes back to like how you're raised, right? So, yeah. and uh, I, I think, I think I can say that I'm proud of this podcast and I'm proud of, of, of what we represent. And, um, you know, there were a couple F-bombs slipped out in the FIDS interview and in, in the Chimera interview that, you know, if you were up to me on that camp, put the bark in there. everything, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So. You drop maybe the odd one, but we said we're like maybe we got to be more edgy, and then Chimmer goes, "Yeah, we need to be more fucking edgy," and it was just just flowed. Bosco, oh, that's a Bach, bud. That's a Bach, yeah. Uh, right in the then, so no, no, so yeah, yeah, bro, it's crazy um, and it's a, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. Rhodes yeah. and and Rupp, you know they they add new and they add an element to our pod. Yeah, our pod. It's you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's a fun ride and uh, let's keep it going. Yeah, for sure. No, it is. It definitely. Yeah. Now that this episode's at 200 hours, hey? Exactly. So 200 hours on episode 200. So, uh, but no, it's, uh, it's kind of how I think it should be with uh, the people that we had. And, um, you know, it just kind of sets things up for, for the next season and, uh, you know, just the just a good interview all around in, in that aspect. So, um, Mutz fans, without further ado, I think it's time to, um, with all that said, it's time to get down to some business here. I know the biggest thing everyone's tuning into, and uh, it's to keep everyone on. And at the late, merry moment here is... If you're still up. If you're still up, exactly. So we, uh, we have uh, some tickets to give away uh, for our Heritage classic Edmonton Oilers versus Calgary Flames ticket giveaway. And then our first set of tickets goes away to, and our winner is Jennifer Oakley. So uh, Jennifer Oakley is a, uh, is a, is a great person from what we see here in these, uh, these nominations and from everyone that uh, nominated her, uh, her family and uh, the entries that she did and retweeting and following and liking and sub- subscribing to us. Um, it's really good. So our first set of tickets goes goes to her. Uh, so thank you for uh, for doing that and being a part of the our two months podcast journey here and uh, being successful in you know following all those accounts. And uh, so thanks to our sponsors for uh, stepping up, SeatGeek and and everyone else for uh, for joining here is pretty pretty sweet. And uh, so we'll move over to our frontline worker giveaways. 
So we have uh, two sets of those to uh, to go. So our first uh, set, uh, Clay Vanderham, you have a winner there. So we got an email from Kyle McRae. I don't know if he's related to Razzle Dazzle Basil McRae, Minnesota North Stars, St. Louis Blues. But um, Kyle sent in an email and he, he said, I wanted to enter my sister for the Heritage Classic Contest. Allison, congratulations. I don't think your last name is McRae, um, but he did. Kyle, your brother didn't put your last name in. Allison has been a nurse with AHS since 2007 and a diehard Flames fan, which, okay, that's, I like well, it. I like it a lot. I'll forgive you, Allison. Like the rest of her family. I wouldn't say anything puts her apart from the rest of the nurses who did all the difficult task of dealing with COVID and battling with the COVID BS and whatnot. But she was working six days a week for two straight years, which can be tough with a couple with two young daughters. I will keep it short, but she would love to take her husband to the Heritage Classic. So congratulations, Allison and her husband. And thank you, Kyle, for uh, nominating Allison. And Phil Stockley, close it out. So we have a Edmonton, City of Edmonton firefighter as our final winner for the Heritage Classic tickets, uh, Derek Lupchinski. Uh, he's an Edmonton firefighter, and he's also a hockey coach. He coaches two uh, minor hockey teams. Uh, so he's a very busy guy. And he was nominated by Cam Nickel. Uh, so Cam Nickel nominated Derek Lubchinski. So congratulations, Derek. And uh, thank you for all you do with the uh, City of Edmonton Fire Department. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, huge thanks to those. And uh, nice, to, uh, nice to have that. So thanks for everyone for uh, sticking with us here. Uh, three hours plus on a pod. So um, any final comments before we uh, sign out on the, on that? They've heard us talk enough. Exactly. Yeah, um, no doubt, eh? Yeah, so for those winners, reach out to us. Uh, if you've emailed us what you have, uh, just re- reach out to us. We'll uh, we'll get you those tickets back, and uh, we'll give you guys uh, some time there, and then we'll post uh, the winners on social media here. But obviously the catch is to listen to the pod, to hear your name and winner. Uh, nomination so huge thanks to uh to those people that uh that won and um yeah uh phil anything you want to add before we sign out i think i think they've heard me quite a bit oh yeah how's the stash coming in boys oh lanny would be happy he told you to keep it right so happy but he did and and you know i don't i don't know what he means by fertilize it but we're trying here so yeah exactly All right. That's enough out of me. So you know, we'll see you in uh, episode two hundred and one. Exactly. Yeah, let's. The we'll next see journey. All right, Mutz fans. Uh, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. And uh, cool. you know, be humble, be kind. Uh, you know, uh, have the conversation. You know, look out for your uh, your brothers and sisters out there, and uh, you know, keep keep staying positive and. Uh, Enjoy the the nice summer that we have. And, uh, you know, if you're listening, drive safe. If you're flying, uh, safe travels. And uh, all the best to you guys. Thanks.